Hello, and welcome to Spectology, the science fiction book club podcast. I'm your host, Adrian. Water and Sunshine, I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Nate. <laughs> welcome, everyone. Uh, so, Spectology is a science fiction book club podcast where each month we pick a book, read it, and talk about it over the course of two episodes. This is our post read episode for Semiosis by Sue Burke. Um, so in this episode, we will be full spoilers from the get go, just FYI. Um, if you would like to learn more about the book, kind of without all that stuff, we published a pre-read episode, episode 12.1, um, about three weeks ago. So you can go and listen to that. And that's sort of the non-spoiler version of what the book is about. Um, also this, uh, week we are joined again by Nate Spence. Uh, Nate is my childhood friend. I mean, we met in like kindergarten, <laughs> I think, and grew up in Alaska together. Um, Nate, do you want to give folks just a short introduction of who you are if they haven't heard the uh, pre-read? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, I am a indie dev for computer games, uh, working on our, our first game right now. We have it up on Steam. Um, like Adrian said, grew up in Alaska. I've uh, been living in California for a while, but I just moved back to Alaska. And uh, general fan of science fiction and uh, weird shit. Yeah, the games Hell, are yeah. science fiction and weird shit. Yes. So, <laughs> and uh, the game yeah. is uh, Ectolibrium on oh, Steam you. Early Access for for folks who want to download it and check it out. It is cool shit. I've helped a little bit on like marketing and stuff like that with it. So you know, and, and concept guess, over the years, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. So if you haven't heard of it, it's Adrian's fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, well, that's why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> no, I, it's it's very very dope, and I definitely recommend it. Yeah, There's also it's, a big graphics update coming out in uh, April, so uh, if, you, if you buy it now and you're like, this looks like crap, uh, <laughs> it, it's going to be fixed. Yeah, uh, probably jacking up the price at that point, too, so better you know, better maybe, get yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> buy yeah, now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, again, the book that we're reading is Semiosis, which is a book that uh, Nate recommended to me through his book club, which is a book club in Alaska that read Binti because we had read it, so this is coming like full circle a little bit. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it was a, I also wanted to just upfront um, talk about, you know, we always do kind of like a content warning. Like I already said, we'll be talking about spoilers from the book, like through now there's also the book itself has a rape scene, some discussion of like suicide and mental health issues more generally, um, as well as like a pretty like graphically violent book. And we'll be talking about all of these things, I think, in depth. Um, so, you know, I always like saying that up front for people so it doesn't come as a surprise. Is there anything I'm missing there, guys? Yeah, the violence covers a lot, but, the, you know, there's a variety of different kinds of violence. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Um, kind of torture and fire and i don't know all, all, all sorts right. of horrible <laughs> yeah it's yeah. it gets really brutal yeah. um cool so you know the first thing we'll do now that i'm done talking hopefully a little bit <laughs> is just like you know what did what did we think of it what you know how did we like the book matt i'm kind of curious what what you thought because you and i haven't talked about it whereas we usually do yeah, well, even when we usually do, we sort of try to keep the uh, the best hashtag content for the <laughs> for the pod, as they say. I um I really liked it. I like this book a lot. I I think that in my head it it has a lot of similarities to Children of Time. I'm not sure mm -hmm. if I liked it as much as that book, but there were some things about it that I liked 
um, just as much, if not more, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there were other things that I kind of have questions about, maybe is the best way to put it. Um, yeah. I, 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 I'm just sort of not sure. I'm, I feel a little maybe skepticism. Um, <laughs> but in general, I really liked it because it's a story about humans developing a better relationship with their environment and you know doing so in a way that hopefully provides a kind of mental scaffolding for like real people to actually really do that sort of thing i always get really invested in stories that are about that sort of thing because i really really want them to help people be more like that you know (laughs) and obviously i don't want to give the impression this is a utopian tale it is there is all that violence (laughs) (laughs) right but I think one of the big themes of this book is about how humans can develop more positive, mutualistic relationships. That's a word that comes up in the book a lot with their mm-hmm. environment. Um, I said at the at the top, water and sunshine. Um, there's this. Uh, there's a lot in the book about um, creating these kinds of relationships, uh, not only with the environment, sort of in ways that we might recognize that you know, kind of our standard tropes of you know, environmental nonfiction or fiction, but also just new sci-fi style ways of coming, of creating relationships with the environment that, you know, maybe have an element of the fantastic about them. Right. Well, that's the intelligent plants part. Right. Is what I assume what you're, what you're referring to. Yes. No need to be coy. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, I guess there is no reason to be coy. This is the spoiler episode. So, okay. In this book, there is a plant that is very intelligent and it, is able to communicate with people um, in the language that the in a variety of languages that the people speak, and uh, this plant, um, which takes a human name as part of its gradual integration into the human Good society, Steve. which is hilarious and like so weird, but like it's exactly the kind of weird that I actually find really plausible because like why not? I mean, the plant doesn't care right. about names, but like it. Under, it grows to understand that people use them. And so it sort of kind of can recognize itself as an individual in some sense, corresponding to an individual human, although different. Um, but this plant and the human society develop a relationship that is not without its moments of like great tension and like serious, mm. serious discord, but that kind of ends up being a pretty good relationship like uh, the kind of relationship that like might last and Mm -hmm. you're one of the great things about this book that i like a lot is that you really don't know what's going to happen at basically any point in the book my feeling was that this book was very very good at avoiding any kind of sense of narrative you know any kind of sense of narrative obviousness like this sense that oh i i I know what shape this is like i see how that curve is going i know what's going to happen it avoids that entirely and so that kind of lends itself to a sense of stress that you feel sometimes when you're reading it, at least I do. Mm -hmm. But it also means that, you know, the relationships feel, have this very real quality where, you know, the best, you know, the best situation they could possibly be in is still a situation where, oh, you know, you don't really know what's going to happen. We don't really know if this plant and these people are going to stay on such good terms for their long haul, but it's a good relationship, you know, at the end of the book. Mm -hmm. And that's like, the way that it's structured, the details of how that relationship works are this really cool thing that I think is a classic sci-fi thing where you take an idea, the idea of living in harmony with your environment, living in a mutually beneficial relationship with your environment, and really spin that out and follow that into this strange, faraway place that's pretty distant from our actual 
lives, but that mm-hmm. has a recognizable path that you took to get to it. Mm-hmm. So I really like that stuff about the book. I'm not making a lot of sense, I don't think, but we'll say, <laughs> leave, leave it at that for now, and I'll maybe I'll be able to like rephrase this in a better way. Right, we'll be able to go really deep deep on all of this, <clears throat> I think. It, you know, this is, I think you're giving a very good overview of like all the shit we're going to be talking about through this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, my thoughts on the book, I think that the you actually use the word skepticism, Matt, and that was one that I definitely, I think I might be like, like generally like ditto although maybe like with the levels tweaked somewhat yeah like i felt i felt coming out of the book like there were a couple of like big things that i thought were problems that weren't very well handled in the book that i want to kind of like save for later um particularly the like sexual assault rape scene was weird to me um and then the other piece was um the way the book handled mental health and like as the cause of violence didn't work for me at all total agree total um, agree on and those. and like that that in particular like detracted from my enjoyment of the book partially because um it seemed to set something up and then never pay it off um, so it wasn't just like, oh, like, you know, like politically, I don't think it handled it well. I also thought that like it like did this weird setup without any payoff thing that like like both of those combined were really kind of jarring for me, especially because it didn't really seem to do that with much else. Everything else that was set up paid off pretty well. Um, but then on the other hand, the book was really fun, really cool. Like we talked about in the pre-read, it handled the sort of like it did this very good job of balancing being like an accurate depiction of like the difficulties of like surviving in wilderness with also like not getting into the weeds of like, oh, well, then they, you know, like built this kind of trap with these twigs. You know, it's like, fuck all that stuff. <laughs> like, no, there's a smart plant that gives them what they want so they can actually survive. And now let's get into the interesting stuff. It did that really well. Um and I really liked what it did with like the human community too. Um, like that, like everything you were talking about with in terms of like mutualism, humans interacting with their environment, like how does that go well and how does it not go well? Um, the one I think kind of complaint I had on that portion, I'm again, I'm sorry to be negative, Matt, you <laughs> kind of like hit all my positive points. So I'm just going to do a few of the like, Hey, these are some of the places where it was like, yeah, yeah instead of just saying and I what just, you did over and yeah, over. I, I totally agree with all the stuff you're saying actually and it's sort of funny because i just kind of forgot to mention any of these things <laughs> but i do agree i do agree especially about the mental health and the rape scene right and then um but the there was one thing that i felt uh especially i think it was like the second to last chapter the like big climax chapter there's sort of like that's the one point where it feels like oh there's like good guys and bad guys and like not a whole lot of like gray like both inter like both the um the 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 glass makers and the humans have like one faction that's clearly the bad faction and one faction that's clearly the good faction and like with fairly little thought paid to like well the bad factions in both cases like have their reasons that are like actually super valid and like it felt like the author was kind of being like no those aren't valid when like to me they actually felt kind of valid like it, you know it would have yeah, been more I, interesting to play around with those a little bit more i think what i definitely the, yeah go ahead Oh, um, what would have uh, 
address that. And I think she kind of did that earlier in the book, too. But then she had another generation following that that was sort of talking about the stuff that had happened previously from a different perspective. Right. And if you if there had been, you know, another generation after the events uh, of the last chapter to sort of cast doubt on the reliability of that narration or whatever. Um, totally. That uh, that worked throughout the book. So it's kind of weird to just end. Yeah, like that. that's a really good point. That's I think point, th- her right? her. In general, one of her strategies was to kind of give each POV character uh, pretty strong views on something. Oh, yeah, it was all like first and, person, too. So it's very right. much like not even like third person in their head, but it's like yeah. them writing to you, which was, yeah. you know, so clearly everyone has a point of view and clearly everyone has their own kind of biases coming into it. But it did yeah, feel yeah, yeah. like but to just finish that thought, uh, you know, she gives each point of view character a very strong viewpoint that doesn't admit of a whole lot of gray and her strategy in general seems to be to sort of alternate them and to, to give you one and then give you a different right, one to right. complicate the previous one and that kind of doesn't and in particular when you see characters overlap parts mm-hmm. especially i'm thinking of the first part in the second yeah, part where we, yeah. we see the POV character from the first part again in the second part that's maybe the best example of this but you know absent that she doesn't like that's her her big trick to achieve the kind of sense of moral ambiguity mm-hmm. and so absent that she doesn't have there's some it's uh, you know i think it's kind of gestured at more than it's really given to us directly so yeah i i feel like i definitely agree with that yeah so i you know i think we can get into the specifics of all of this more but that was definitely those were sort of my like kind of issues with it and why I think while the book in a lot of ways like reminded me of Children of Time reminded me of Dark Eden which is the book that we're going to be reading next month and that we talk about like constantly um, it kind of didn't quite like it almost got up to their level and like didn't quite make it that said I'd still totally recommend the book it was like also really fun to read really inventive I also I particularly Mm -hmm. liked the um Uh, This is something you didn't mention that I really enjoyed was just the storytelling format of like it's strong point of view characters. It moves forward in time, sometimes by a lot. It's like totally willing to just be like shit happened and it changed and we're not going to like hold your hand through every piece of it, which I really appreciated. Um, I thought the like narrative structure and just like actual like mechanics of putting the book together were really, really strong. So, so Nate, yeah, so I would recommend, I would probably give it like a, you yeah. know, like a seven or a six out of 10 or like a B plus instead of an A <laughs> situation. A six out of 10 is a B plus? Whoa. <laughs> <We're going great. laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> off the top of my dome here. I would give it a B plus. When do I sure. ever, when am I ever <laughs> consistent? Like, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, there's another couple things, um, just to respond kind of quickly to that, like. Uh, I think actually there is one really particular thing that I think this book does better than Children of Time and possibly, well, I don't know if it's better than Dark Eden, but yeah, we'll get to that I think next the month. sense of ecology and I'll put a pin in that yep. the ecology of the world building. Right. Um, and the second thing is I really, um, I, I really also think that, you know, it does, a a sort of worse job of. Like in the way that the book is structured, there are a couple of issues with the generational switches. I think that there's a lot of it doesn't quite the the narratives sort of like don't quite fit together in a way that 
quite make sense between over a couple let's, of those jumps. Let's let's get it. Let's get into that. Let's get into that. I want. Yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to. I want to let Nate respond yeah. to, to to our thoughts yeah. as well as you know actually dig a lot more deeply into this than we can at this point. Yeah. Um. So let me let me. Uh. I guess at this point, uh, you you both read it more recently than I have. So uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm uh trying to call back or you know recall my my thoughts when I originally read it, but I, I think that. Um, I definitely enjoyed, like you said, the sense of ecology and, uh, just sort of world building in general. And, and the fact that it doesn't hold your hand, um, not just in terms of like what happens in between generations, but some of the information about like how their culture is structured is sort of, uh, Mm -hmm. revealed without being spelled out in a way that I think is kind of cool. Like each generation has their, uh. I don't know what you call it. Their their signature, right? Like some people have they, they dye yeah. their hair. There's like the green hair. The beaties, the greenies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right, right. Yeah, and right. I, I, I thought it was kind of cool that they didn't like specify that that was in their, uh, you know, one of the rules in their charter or something that this happened. But then you kind of yeah. kind of figure out that that's going on over the course. Of yeah, that. I like that. Things too. like that are cool. Um, as far as the, uh, I mean, I I think I have a pretty. Um, I'm pretty desensitized to a lot of horrible things, so <laughs> I might not have uh, uh, fully like appreciated the uh, the oomph of some of that stuff, uh, um, just you know because of the media that I consume or whatever. But uh, I think that it is pretty. Uh, I mean, there's there's not really a chapter in it that doesn't have something gnarly. Uh, <laughs> right. There's there's a couple right. of kind of uh, gag chapters that are more about like the the pheromones and all that. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember if there was. I remember that being kind of a comedic chapter. But, uh, <laughs> the humor root. Yes, the humor. Oh yeah, yeah. So there's, and then there's, okay, there's things like that. I, I think that that um, when I was reading it, I remember uh, not knowing whether I should, you know, whether how how I relate to be about that. Like, is that uh, it, it's kind of a cartoony, like uh, iconic right. representation of this more complex idea of plant sentience and what plant sentience would actually be like. And uh, oh, I totally agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not always clear how much of that is the translation. Like, like, you know, we talked about a little bit um, whether whether right. he's just trying to represent this really abstract, uh, you know, you can tell the human, oh, it's my humor root doing this or, you know, they can talk about it that way. And, right. And, and whether the author is is talking but to then the sometimes from like the plants point of view he's like oh i cut yeah. those roots off and you're like oh well, is it is it actually that simple well that, that's that's the other thing too is like that it's the plant by way of the author speaking to the reader so it's i never yeah. i never really knew whether it was like is that just like a a convenient way of talking about this thing or how literally mm. am i supposed to be thinking mm. I, don't know. I totally agree with that so much i I've, i agree with like both the feeling that you said of it f- seeming cartoony in my head, I was thinking like, oh, this plant is like a superhero. Mm-hmm. Like it, the, the way it has this ability <laughs> to manipulate chemicals as though mm-hmm. it were playing a video game about mm-hmm. combining chemicals into new chemicals was amazing. And uh, very much reminded me of, you know, like an X-Man who had mm-hmm. the ability to manipulate chemicals or something. <laughs> um, and I also but but, you know, at the same time, it has that cartoony aspect. At the same time, I also felt a little bit of skepticism wondering maybe wonderment about you know exactly to what degree i should take this as a kind of 
trans as a, as a reasonable translation of something that is you know yeah uh, that I'm meant to think is more complicated yeah and exactly. to what extent even during the plant POV chapters and to what and extent I, I'm meant to think of it as something else and I, I think is... I think that the fact that that wasn't entirely clear is kind of an issue but uh, but right. but I also feel like if I'm really if I if I if I give the benefit of the doubt in that case then it makes it a much better or you know more more mm. solid sci-fi experience or whatever yeah, this is funny because yeah. when i was when i was reading it i actually it never occurred to me that it was anything other than literal uh like i never occurred to me that like oh this is the like plant translating like you know hard concepts into like stuff that's just like easy enough for humans to understand or whatever um so i do i you know to your to your point if it was meant to be more complicated than like i full-on didn't get it even yeah, I think that's an issue there because to me it was it wasn't like not clear in a cool literary ambiguity way. It was not clear in a I don't know if this works way. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I also I will say that like while I, I you know I was the one who who was like oh yeah it's just roots and it's just the, actually that simple. I think I also like I was able to suspend disbelief well enough. Mm. Like to yeah. me this wasn't actually like if I look at this as a book about like intelligence and sentience and philosophy of mind, then it doesn't work. Like mm-hmm. if, if I look at this as like a, you know, like something like Peter Watts's blind sight or, or even, you know, children of time. To oh a man, degree, let's not get into that. Cause I think that book doesn't work on exactly that in exactly that okay, level, well, but does work on others. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> like he is at least like engaging with the like philosophical literature about this. Whereas like this book doesn't actually seem that interested in engaging with that it's more interested in the ideas of ecology and mutualism and society like it's more interested in society than in individual sentience um it's more interested in sociology than philosophy of mind um and so from that from that perspective like i you know once i realized that once i realized like oh this isn't like a realistic depiction of you know it's sentience at all, like much less plant intelligence. It's rather like, you know, kind of a fun sci-fi yarn, but also like this stuff that it's interested in is more about like how does society develop? Like how can we like, you know, treat this as like a metaphor for environmentalism and like getting along with the ecology like today as humans on earth. Yeah. Um, that, that Then it just worked a lot better for me. What do you think of that, about that, Nate? What do you think about the, the philosophy of mind thing versus other levels it might be working on? Yeah, I, th- I think that it, I mean, I, I agree with Adrian in that sense. I, I, I don't feel like they really, um, they don't dwell, or she, she doesn't dwell on those things at all, like long, long enough to really, you know, make them a, the, a real subject of the book. It's more just, um, it's more about the timeline and the like, uh, watch, just watching this like imaginary world progress kind of in a it's not not superficial but like you're watching you're watching the events that take place and you're seeing those events through perspectives and i, I feel like there is some depth in the uh, to, uh, this is kind of this is going to change the subject a little bit but, but, but i think yeah. that um earlier you were talking about the, uh the weirdness of just contrasting these um unreliable pov characters one after another and that, that being her only trick for gray gray area and i, I think that that's kind of i like that like what it's saying about the limitations of a human perspective versus something like a, a plant, whether or not it's doing the like POV stuff about the plant. Well, it's, I like that it's showing that humans are these like individual capsules that are like sequential and each capsule is 
limited in terms of like what it's able to receive about the world and the decisions it's making based on that. And this plant is this more ongoing process. And so mm. even though the POV, mm-hmm. like the, the, the specific POV stuff about the plant, like the, the, you know, stream of consciousness of the plants experienced isn't what I would call realistic at all. It still kind of plays with that idea of, uh, you know, the, the different perception of time and, mm. uh, the, what that would do to your worldview. I don't know. I like that way of putting it. You kind of made me think about the way that there's certain aspects of the story that are sort of purposely flat and there's certain other dimensions in which it has more um, depth. So, you know, the dimension, this is, this is what Adrian was saying and I agree with it. The dimension of, of the, um, the dimension of philosophy of mind of this book is flat. It isn't Mm -hmm. just anything going on there. Um, But, you know, like flatness and depth in stories can work in a lot of different ways. You don't need to have depth in every aspect of your story. In fact, you can't probably because, <laughs> and nobody can be an expert at, or like a, a genius at, you know, at de- detailing every aspect of the human condition or the non-human condition. Um, you know, so kind of being strategic about where flatness and depth are and being strategic about kind of how much you, how much you try to portray your own flatness or depth you know i think one of the issues with the way that the plant intelligence is described in this book is that it's not so much that it that it is flat but that we aren't sure how much we're supposed to think it has depth Mm -hmm. but it is flat you know and so maybe maybe we're maybe we're not supposed to care and so fine but maybe we're supposed to be thinking because because clearly you know the ecology level of this book is very deep and has a lot of interesting things to say and it's very very cool mm-hmm. um so you know and that's so tied up in the plant like they're very closely linked <laughs> right and so you wonder how much we're supposed to think about depth bleeding over from that into this you know, so that's to me maybe what the what the problem is mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think that's a that's actually a really I like this like flatness versus depth and I totally agree that like actually not everything even like should have depth <laughs> like it's totally fine to be and this is what we were talking about the in the pre-read with the like survivalism stuff like you know there are certain ways in which like, like the mechanics of survival are relatively flat because honestly for the story she's telling it's just like not that interesting and like it starts off maybe with a little bit more depth. And then as soon as you have like a society that's like vaguely functioning, the mechanics of how it is just like, aren't the point of the story. Mm -hmm. So like the first two chapters, you get a little bit more into the like, Oh, we're like, you know, trying to find food. We're trying to figure out how to build shelters that will withstand these hurricanes. We're trying to like do all of this stuff. But then once you've done it, like, okay, we Mm. get it. You've done it. (laughs) You know, it's like that ceases to become the like depth part or the interesting part. Um, so I like that way of, you know, talking about flatness and depth, not as like, like not as like normative judgmental things like, Oh, Mm. it's flat. So it's bad, but rather like, Oh, it's flat. Cause it, you know, it's not the interesting part, but then asking like, okay, so mechanically this is the flat part. Was that the right choice? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's not bad in and of itself, but was it the right choice for this piece? And I think that's where we're all kind of, you know, a little bit like, ah, like at times it feels like the right choice. And at other times, like I kind of wanted a little bit more depth. Like there were points where I felt like, you know, especially 
Steve, like the the humans start out with a lot of like skepticism towards Steve, like before he's even Steve, before they even like realize it's like a sentient thing when it's just like the you rainbow know, you bamboo. Mean Stefland? <laughs> no, yeah. none of them call him Steve. Right, 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 right. Sorry, you're 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 right. I Nate Nate didn't. It popped into my head as that. Uh, I At also I finished I it was the funny, book. But then like, I was like, oh, I finished the book like three weeks ago, so I <laughs> should should have done a quick. Uh, like skim through before this um yes yeah, stefland um <laughs> nate, nate said it was such like you know let's call um, him barry barry <laughs> right. the plant so stefland uh has like he starts off as like the humans are reasonably skeptical of his like pursuits designs etc um he then like has like a period of actually being like like somewhat obviously power hungry in a way that like, you know, maybe is or isn't good for the humans. And it's reasonable that they might like think like be kind of worried about that. Then at a certain point, it's the book almost seems to like flatten that away and then be like, well, we dealt with that. And like, obviously like Stevlin's like a good yeah. moderator. And it's like, but there's all these other like, yeah, what? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Have this we is, actually dealt my, with that? <laughs> totally. This is my other thing that I wanted to, that I wanted to bring up later. Um, the, the more the um ease with which they the the comfort level that they have with stevland um Mm -hmm. kind of jumps around all over the place like you're saying and it's not clear to me that it makes sense how it jumps around like that comfort level that they have with him their trust of him could work at any of the levels that are described it's the movement from level to level that i don't Mm -hmm. quite Mm -hmm. get you know one of the things like you spend the first half of the book basically really wondering at what point Stevland is going to turn into this ultimate <laughs> dictator and like just rule the humans right. with this, you know, thorny fist. I kept thinking of them. Ultron from the Age of Ultron, like move, Avengers it, it, movie. It's like. it's like a terrifying dystopia, right? Like the way that this, especially when you get to the chapter about Titania. Mm-hmm. And she's like doing this. That's maybe my favorite part of the book, actually. Like she's doing this murder investigation. It gets all noir. That, all of a sudden, I felt like I was in Nomon again. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I was in Nomon, dude. It was like, whoa, this dystopia operates on levels that I haven't even thought about dystopia operating on. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. You know? Yeah, that was, was definitely terrifying. my favorite chapter. I, I think. I think. Yeah. It worked sorry, so well. <laughs> it, and I almost felt like. Oh, maybe this was her original idea for this book. Fucking noir murder mystery set in plant dystopia <laughs> on an alien planet. I would, I would grandma, grandma, I would grandma with that a book, knife. Yeah. Like, that's fucking <laughs> rad as hell. Please sign I, me up. You know, I, I think, uh, I mean, it seems like she's talking about uh, just the nature of, like, government and, like, whether you're, you're willing to, like... Uh, you know, accept um, sort of the controls that society gives you in exchange for the, the benefits or, you know, the, the controls that it imposes on you in exchange for the benefits. Yeah. And, but and I, I, think, I like, I like yeah. that. Sorry, but I, I like no, no, that. No, go in ahead. The, uh, you know, the, the idea of mutualism is that it's not really about um, like he, he, he does think about ethics, but he thinks about ethics because of the, you know, sort of selfish um, motivations built into that. Like, like, uh, like having a stable, uh, you know, healthy, quote unquote, healthy relationship with these people, his his subjects, 
even though he doesn't respect his subjects in terms of the language he uses to talk about them and things like that, is in his benefit in the long term, especially mm-hmm. like the way the way things put, uh, played out with the glassmakers and his yeah. predecessors and all that. So it's, it's also yeah, it's also no that that is super interesting. And I also one of the things that sort of played into the way I thought about this throughout the book and why I phrase my feelings about some of this stuff as as skepticism rather than dislike is because there's a lot that yeah. she does to create the sense that you know we're not dealing with a, an animal this thing is just fundamentally different mm-hmm. from animals it doesn't care about some of the things that would be so obviously front of mind for for animals it doesn't care about you know dominating per se like it doesn't want to be in charge for any particular reason mm-hmm. except that it it wants to like the, the way that it conceives of what it wants is not the way that an animal like a mammal would that, that we, right. we could understand it doesn't want territory per se i mean it mm. wants to spread but it doesn't want to spread because it's like dominating or like achieving yeah. hedons you know from like extracting resources you know it just yeah. doesn't think that way it doesn't yeah. and so you know it's animals like it doesn't want to dominate its animals for the sake of dominating them it wants to have the best animals. Yeah. Well, I like, I liked, um, as much as there was a little bit of awkwardness in translating plant speak into something that the reader can absorb, you know, uh, in prose, uh, I liked the conversations between the plants a lot. And I thought yeah. that, uh, yeah. I thought that it was, it's cool to like almost the way, the way that they're talking about, about their animals is very similar yeah. to how a human farmer would talk about our crops, you know. And, uh, <laughs> totally. And, uh, I kept thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. I kept thinking about that. And that's the genius of this book. That's when the book achieves its, maybe its, its highest level. It's either there or it's in the part with Titania. Like the ecology stuff is so interesting the way it handles it because what it does is it flips the script. It talks about ecology from the perspective of a sentient plant and a network of sentient plants. And it doesn't just flip the script in terms of POV. It tries to flip the script in terms of desire. You know, like plants just don't see the environment in terms of resources to extract, according to this book. Now, obviously, that's like just an idea. And you could have Mm. a different idea about how plants work. You know, nobody like there's no like, you know, (laughs) definitive answer to that. But but the, the, the point of view of the of the book is that plants don't see the world that way. They fundamentally think of it in terms of these relationships. They're not trying to they're not trying to kill each other off, except in very extreme circumstances when like when you're dealing with fucking oranges. Yeah, that that kind (laughs) of didn't make sense to me. I didn't fully understand that. And the only way I can understand that is, oh, these are these plants have had another billion years of evolution. You know, in in other words, like black box. My takeaway was just that, well, oranges are dicks. Like, yeah, <laughs> I th- that that was my, my takeaway was like, oh, like they got to the point where they realized that like there was not like like this. This was part of like Stevlin's thing. It felt like very much like, oh, mutualism until it becomes very clear that that's impossible, at which point eradication. Right. <laughs> and, it, and like that actually does kind of make sense from his perspective of like, oh, as soon as I have like established that, like they're playing a different like infinite game from the infinite game yeah. that I'm playing, then like. I must eradicate them less like my infinite game, like stop. And thus, like I lose the infinite game. Yeah. It was so corporate the way, the way, sorry. uh, No, do it. The way the plant, the plant conversation is very corporate. I thought, uh, very exchange based and very, uh, 
And it like makes sense the, because I think okay. in a way, like the corporation is as close as we can get to like a yeah. distributed intelligence in, in our like day to day lives. Right. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I was thinking about in terms of distributed intelligence, actually, just to, to this is like kind of related to the plant thing, <laughs> to all these plant things. It's just I find myself comparing this to Anne Leckie's description of her distributed ship mines. Oh, this is books. actually something I wanted to bring up, too. OK, cool. So. It's interesting to me because I think, um, you know, I thought that she did a lot better job of talking about distributed intelligence than Sue Burke did. And I think that the reason why I the reason why I I sort of think that I feel that way is because it feels like Sue Burke wasn't thinking about intelligence as being something that could be distributed, which is a fine point of view if you sort of acknowledge that you're making that decision. But the, the sense that I got was just that it wasn't a question that she had ever asked and answered. It was just, you know, oh, obviously the intelligence of all of these creatures is exactly as focused and unitary as the way yeah. I perceive my intelligence yeah, yeah. to be. I totally agree with that. It was yeah. just not, it was just sort of ignored as a possibility. And that and kind that, of was that's disappointing. That's why lines like the, the humor root are kind of like, eh, like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't sound right when you, when, yeah. you know. See, I yeah. still, I laughed at the humor root. I, <laughs> no, I, 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 laughed, I laughed too, but it, it, but it does, it, it kind of draws attention to that, that weirdness. Uh, yeah, it's true. It was definitely that's funny. true. And I will, I will say too, I will, I will generally agree with that. Like I had a, I wasn't actually thinking of Anne Leckie in, in particular because I haven't read her books yet. Um, but I was thinking of the culture novels, which one of which we've also yeah. read, which does a similar thing where it's like, and, and I guess one of the things I was just thinking about was, you know, what is different about this? Like, you know, Nate, actually, I think you calling it corporate because I kept thinking of like Stefan as like a server. Like, I kept mm-hmm. thinking of him <laughs> as like, you know, as like a particular <laughs> type of machine intelligence, which isn't like, oh, AI computer so much as like, you know, back end server that you mm-hmm. have to like, you know, like cron into to try to, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, like figure out information from it where like it has like a, you know, you mean SSH. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, cron's another. Yes. Um, <laughs> You where there is like this kind of like GUI almost, which is the, you know, like this legacy language that it knows how to speak and that the humans yeah. have to like learn its weird ass, you well, know, well, glass that's, that's maker language. All, that's what it all feels like is you're like the reader is is uh sort of interacting with a GUI, uh and then and then whatever yep. that like we were talking about earlier, you're taking it uh, on faith that there's this more complex uh, nuanced thing kind of behind the GUI. Right, but, right. But it's not really clear when that's the case. It's so interesting that you guys thought of that. I didn't think of the server metaphor at all. It makes total sense. And I actually really like that. But I think, I don't even know if I had a way that I was thinking about him. I He reminded me a lot of the Anne Leckie books and I kept thinking, yeah. I kept kind of comparing him to the distributed ship mines there. Um, right. Well, that's I, where know, I started was with the, was with the culture minds and the sense of like, oh, what yeah. is actually different between a, you know, like this plant intelligence that she's designed versus like your typical kind of like machine intelligence in science fiction. And then at a certain point, I realized, well, well, what's different is it's a plant and they're in any an ecology and they're in a wilderness. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the big difference. And also mm-hmm. like 
you know, again, I think ultimately, and this is maybe just like, I, I'm, I'm, it's, I am, I'm surprised that I'm actually the one who felt more this way since I'm usually such the like philosophy of mind nerd, but I was kind of like, ah, she's not interested in that. So like, mm-hmm. that's fine. Like that, that was the one place just like, okay, it's just, I just have to like n- yeah. not worry about it. Yeah. Too to much. be, I mean, you know, we're probably overselling how uncom- I'm probably overselling how uncomfortable I was. Cause I wasn't really, or skeptical, you know, cause I wasn't mm-hmm. really that like, I was mostly just enjoying it. You know, these mm-hmm. are very like, these are things that occurred to me as i was reading but that didn't yeah. bother me you know what i mean i was right. more they they yeah occurred rather than bothered is probably the way to put it yeah. um if she if she wanted to get to the point you know that the the content that she she clearly wanted to focus on i think if she was paying you know proper dues to everything along the way it would have been an impossible task like, totally. yeah and so so i kind of prefer her just using these shortcuts to get to the the more interesting yeah. stuff, at least in her, her mind. Yeah, I, I think the big the big thing that I felt about the plant about Stevland by the end was a little bit of like opportunity missed. I felt like there were a number of places where Stevland could have been more could have been portrayed as different from people yep. more and in yep. more interesting ways than he was. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff that she did I thought worked pretty well, but it was just sort of like like not, not enough quite, as opposed to like yeah, wrong. given that there's yeah, and that's why I kept comparing it to these other books, you know, other books that yep. you know have been out for a while and, mm-hmm. and that people are aware of, you know, right. And there, there have been a lot of just depictions of distributed intelligences in literature now, and so, you know, is that was a little disappointing because it was clearly mm-hmm. just not something she was interested in, and I was just kind of like, well, you know, I mean, it wouldn't have taken a lot, you know. So mm-hmm. Matt, I'm I'm curious. I'm gonna and I'm. I, I'm going to ask Matt this question because I know you've read both these books. Um, the, you know, Stevlin's intelligence and it being like a vision of like a, you know, plant intelligence versus um, the the Portia's intelligence and the like mm. spider's intelligence in, in Children of Time. Because I would actually put them both on the same level. Like I thought that Children of Time like was also like totally not interested in like ha- actually how different is it to be a spider versus yeah. to be a mammal. And You're so right. I'm curious like your your take on that. I totally agree with you. This is another area where I, I you know, I don't think Children of Mind is like intending to have a lot of depth there but i think that children of mine handled it a little bit better. children of time T- time right yeah sorry i think children of time handled this lack of depth a little bit better because okay, interesting it wasn't it it sort of the way it was structured made it more clear by because you know the structure i think of a story tells you where to look for depth and where not to look for depth. That's like one right. of the things that the structure does implicitly. And the structure of Children of Time told us to look for depth in the plot and mm-hmm. in the relationship between humans and spiders. And there was a lot of depth in those places. There were. Um, and it didn't tell me, at least, to look for depth in the spiders, in the construction of the spiders' minds. It did a little bit in their society, and there was some depth there, and that's maybe an area where I don't remember even as much what I thought at the time, but I think like from the perspective of now looking back, it's sort of like, well, there could have been more, you know? Yeah, that was the point that I felt was the weakest in the book, too. It's, yeah. It seems just kind of weird. But the, okay, fine. But the structure, the structure of semiosis, even the title of semiosis, right? Right. It, it, it feels like the structure is, is directing our gaze at the plant 
in this very direct way. And then, you know, it's like, well, there's certain aspects of the plant that are very deep, right. but there's other aspects of it that aren't. And, and so I feel a little skeptical there, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, Nate, have you read Children of Time? I forget no, if you. No, okay, no, okay. Um, How about so, this, Nate? Here's a question for you, Nate. What do you okay. think if I if I if you divided the book up into different sort of scientific or philosophical areas, where do you think it's the strongest, and where do you think it's the weakest? Like ecology could be one, so sociology could be one, psychology could be one. Do you know like how? Yeah. Do you, do you think there are other? Like what's the most potent metaphors, and which are the least potent? <laughs> I well, so my my favorite aspects of the book are ecology and the business like transactions between mm. the plants, and I feel like it almost yeah. would work just fine as you know. I, I liked it as a novel. I would have happily read a short story just about plants conversing and farming humans, and that would that oh would hell yeah, mm. the, the main hell, punch yeah. of the story for me would have been communicated that way. Yeah. But I think that uh, all the other stuff to me doesn't really detract from from that. I, I found each little episode yeah. to be interesting in its own way, and I did like the comparison of sequential human POV with the with the plant perspective. Even though they're both, you know, like we said, kind of cartoony, I think that there is something interesting in that comparison mm, that wouldn't have been there yeah. if it had been a, if the focus had been different. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I don't know. Yeah. I will I will also say this is sorry a little bit of a tangent. Um I I was just thinking about that and like one thing that the book did a really good job of was within each chapter like because of the way the chapters break up there's not necessarily a ton of suspense between the chapters but each chapter was like really compelling like i found yeah. the book to always be a page turner within whatever totally. even the ones i didn't like as much i was like yeah. there was a lot of suspense there was a lot of feeling of like i don't know what's going to happen and i want to find out oh, yeah. um and like it she, was really good at that level i think she she does a pretty good job of uh like like you said the title of the book points us toward the plant but i do think that the first two chapters do a good job of directing our attention to the discrepancy between perspectives across Mm. the generations and i I think that's whether or not she had the right title i think that's kind of a big focus uh, in the book so here's a question oh uh, well, I was just going to ask, because I, I have, I know what my answer for this is, but like, what were your favorite chapters? Like, what, like, which were the, which were the, like your favorite stories? I mean, I have an easy answer. Right. Well, yeah, but like, we like, might okay, all have so the same answer here. what's your second, what's your second favorite thing? Cause I think there's so, like yeah. a clear, like hierarchy of like, yeah. you know, Tatiana's is on top. That was just like, yeah. Fucking dope on every level. It was and, like, so dope. the best. I'm so fucking into Tatiana. I want <laughs> so many books about Tatiana. Like Tatiana's chapter was like, it was like plant gnomon. Yeah. You know, I definitely, and, that was the one, only one where I finished reading it and wanted more of her story yeah. like all the rest i was like okay yeah. cool i'm happy to move forward in time with hers i was like sad to move forward in time mm. it's it's interesting because i i think the nye chapter was very successful which one is that sorry i don't remember nye is the name, young boy so. not well, he's not that young but like the young man who is, goes on the trip to meet the glassmakers they go on the trek and the glassmakers yep. take them semi hostage and then they, yep. you know, their friend yep. falls yep. off the cliff and so on. Um, Wait, that was the main character was a boy in that one? 
N-Y-E. He was, I think, yes. Oh, oh, I, I assumed it was a woman the whole time. Okay. He was, in fact, a science guy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. <laughs> oh, only 2,000 kids will know. <laughs> yes. oh, oh, my God, dude. <laughs> it was funny because I was, like, thinking it, and I was like, I don't know where the joke is there. And, like, you yeah, found there, it. There wasn't one. It didn't work. <laughs> oh, my God. No. I, I, oh my I God, liked dude. it. Um, anyway, yeah. You, so that you really liked tickles the, my humor, <laughs> The Nye chapter, The Flutist. The flautist or whatever. Yes, yes, that one. I thought that chapter was well constructed and worked. Uh, like Nye as a as a personality and his kind of emotional journey that he goes on was pretty ambivalent and worked really well, I thought, especially as a good contrast to some of the other characters we'd met at that point. But then, you know, when we meet Nye later on, I don't... This is the problem I had so often. The Nye that you see in subsequent chapters after the Nye POV chapter, it's like a totally different, feels like a totally different person. And I don't know how you get from A to B. Oh, I don't even remember who he was in the later he chapters. He was baking. He shows up, you know, baking and he like gave up the flute and he sh- he's like a baker now. And then he like, he's pro glass. He's basically a dove. He's a, a glassmaker dove and he's like pro helping them. And he oh, helps them I didn't, out. I totally didn't even realize that was the same character. Yeah, that doesn't work at all. Yeah, like it's his the same, whole character it's the same arc was like stopping idol, idealizing the glassmakers. Exactly, exactly. and and okay, so it's yeah. like okay, well, That's he's clearly nice. undertaking another emotional transition here, but like, what? Like, I don't. So you don't see it happen. It's just kind of we're yeah. supposed to believe that it had happened at some point, I guess. And the same thing happens with, um, <laughs> you know, like some of the other characters, like with Cedar. You know, the cedar that you see in the final two chapters and the cedar that you see in Tatiana's chapter. I mean, basically, I think what is sort of supposed to be going on is that we're supposed to be getting like different points of view on one character and like, oh, they're different. And it's like, you know, nobody really knows for sure who anyone is. And, you know, we're right, that's just right. the way the world is and so forth. But in fact, what you get is the sense that like this character these two versions of this character are too different. They don't connect. It feels, it doesn't have, it lacks like verisimilitude. Hmm. You know, I could imagine, I could imagine being told two stories and like failing to see the connection between the two characters. But like in order to make those two stories flow together, there has to be a sense of continuity from somewhere. Otherwise it just feels unbelievable, which I think is the issue here. So I don't know if I I had that, problem i'll give you an example um, well 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 so i actually i want to yeah ask yeah. nate what yeah. what your favorite chapters were first and like continue oh. that exercise before well uh yeah so i liked i like the noir one as well probably the probably number one um and i think i, I already y- you had some some critique of the the final chapter but if i remember correctly that was the one where they were getting most into the plant uh yeah, that's the, the thing. The, I, the business world. Of I the totally plants. agree with you about the business plant world. Right. And I love yeah, that. Way so of I, I enjoyed it. that. Yeah. yeah, that chapter was funny because it had like two POV, POVs. It was like right. one of the only yeah. chapters to do that. And like one yeah. was really strong and the other was maybe less strong. Right. OK, mm-hmm. I actually forgot. I had forgotten about that. I was thinking it was all from the perspective of Steblin, but it was. No, they, it's they flipped back, back and, and forth between him and um, mm-hmm. the, the teacher who like wins the. I think yeah. the election, she was right? she was weak as a character. Like there yeah. wasn't a lot going on with her. Yeah, well, and, they, I, and they they had her. Okay, she she got 
cooked, right? Yeah. Mm. So then yeah. it like switched to another, or maybe Sevland. at that point it was it just Sevland or something. Yeah. It yeah. cuts to Sevland. Right. Because I think the idea is that at any given chapter, the like POV is essentially the like leader. And yeah. like there's with given some, you know, like what does it mean to be leader? It's not the moderator yeah. mm-hmm. necessarily, but like the POV character is like one of the like, you know, is like one of the leaders or like most important, like kind of like social centers of the group and like decision mm-hmm. makers of the group, um, yep. which I actually I really liked the um, like my second favorite chapter and maybe even my favorite chapter was actually chapter two where the like you know young girl like fucking kills the adults and like takes mm-hmm. over <laughs> see that's so interesting yeah. because you you also brought up the very problematic the rape, rape scene, scene right which, which is, occurs in that chapter which is which is the like big ding about it and like maybe makes it like not my favorite chapter because of that but that was also like you know I, I guess we should just talk about that really briefly. Like I like the way when I read that scene, it was so unemotional, weirdly matter of fact. It like like disassociation. Yeah, but it. I don't know. There was something like about that scene where like I was not sure what plot purpose or psychological purpose it played. Like the whole thing would have gone. Like the whole chapter would have gone exactly the same way had like like the two sentences of that that's right. scene not been in there. And that's why it was a little bit like, okay, so then like, what's the purpose of this mm-hmm. to me? Th- I don't know. I don't know whether it was the right choice to have that in there or not, but I feel like it was the only thing about that chapter that made the adults, the, you know, the, the previous generation sort of irredeemable in the eyes of the, the reader. Right. It's like, well, what about murdering and it, and that it guy? Showed, yeah. Well, that's- I actually didn't even remember that. Honestly, <laughs> they, they killed that guy. <laughs> right? They killed her lover. Yeah. They oh killed no, her, no, they did. Her... They did. That's true. Right. So that could have worked, but they would have had to have depicted that in a more memorable way. I, right? I agree. Um, which they, you know she could have, uh, but I, but I think that I think the point maybe of those two acts then is like okay, these people have changed from like they, they were the the ideal idealistic hippies, you know, when mm-hmm. they landed on the planet. And then they were in a point at a point where they were murdering people and weaponizing rape uh, by the time the other generation picked up. And I, to me, that was like that established that contrast between the generations where it's like, oh, you don't even know who you're dealing with when they're referring to people from previous generations that you thought were right. you know, established characters. Were. I'm not yeah. I'm not saying that it was like the best. It just to me, it, it did work for that reason, I think. No. And you I think that I actually yeah, that makes some sense to me in terms of like, if that is the purpose of it, then like that purpose makes sense. I think my big thing was purely that like, I already felt that way by then. Right. Like, like there was nothing up into that. Like, I didn't need anything more to be like, oh, like these are the like, you know, hippies turned fucking like Reagan voters. Like, right. I, you know, I'm you're, <laughs> you already got me on board with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and to be fair, I, I don't I don't fully remember you know, it's been so long since I read the right, book. Right, right. I do. Yeah. I do remember the rape scene because it, because it was because it really stands. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I sort of feel the same way Adrian does. Just because I think the word I would use is gratuitous. Yeah. It's sort of, you know, it's like it reminded me a little of the Sparrow, and not in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. That was the one point where it veered into Sparrow territory, <laughs> which is funny because there's a lot of other violence that I did not feel veered into Sparrow. Yeah. Like. Yeah. 
like I actually didn't have a problem with the violence level of the book overall. It was at times like disgusting and horrific and it felt like it always like served a purpose in being so. And like yeah. I totally don't mind that stuff when it serves the purpose and like yeah. makes make sense to me. Um yeah. The but I would I say beyond yeah. that, like the reason I like that chapter so much was because one, it did portray this like, you know, like idealistic hippies turning into Reagan voters thing. Like it did portray this kind of like, you know, oh, we're so idealistic. And then we like have these like really rigid ideas about what the world is. And then like we are going to like turn our backs on our actual values mm-hmm. to like, you know, like enforce our rigid ideas about how the world should be. Um, I thought that worked really well. And I'm also just always a sucker for a story where like, you know, like teenagers realize that like the adults are all bad and like kill them oh, yeah. all. Uh, <laughs> it was so fan cool. of that shit. <laughs> yeah. It, it was really cool how they because they were earthlings and they had like bodies that were like deformed yeah, by the environment totally. by the heavy gravity and the children were all like adapted better like they yeah. were li- they had literally become monsters like yeah. physically mm-hmm. you know it was kind of cool but and that final scene where she like goes up and just like you know the moderator is like being i'm moderator Vera, i'm yeah. moderator and she just like goes up and stabs her and shoves her in the grave and is like no like that, like there's something so powerful about that scene of like, yeah. you guys keep feeding us this bullshit and like killing us in secret and I'm going to do it in public and I'm going to like not let this all fucking happen in secret and in closed doors. And I'm like mm. making a statement about what kind of world we actually live in, you I know, mean, like, you know I, I regardless think, of her intentions, whether she was right or wrong. I just love that storyline. I think it's like really it powerful. Is, it is a great storyline. I, I, but I, th- I think that 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 scene like. To, to me, I don't know. Maybe, maybe again, this is the desensitization. I've watched too much Game of Thrones, and I've, you know, whatever. But <laughs> but I feel like that the media has desensitized oh, yes, I, I you am, to violence. Yes, yes, I am. In fact, it was the video games. Uh, you should buy my video game on Steam. Was it? Uh, was it Counter Strike? I, I did play some Counter Strike in my day. Uh, oh yeah. But no, no. I just I, I, I think that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and doom. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, I, I think that I think that uh, that's having having the protagonist ha- having her go up and stab this leader woman, mm-hmm. and having that feel like a moment of triumph. Like, uh, I don't know if I would have felt that without something gratuitous prior to that, like right. some sort of violation. Whether whether it was that scene or something. With the, I don't know something something memorable like that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I I would have preferred something different. I I think you could have done it, like you said. I think you put it put it well. You know the the murder, it, for that to work in in a similar way would have had to be, you know, I basically they kind of skipped over a lot of the emotional buildup. I mean there there was there was some, but like I felt like it was a little thin, and mm-hmm. the rape scene was almost an effort to kind of you know, juice it up to get yeah. to the point where you feel what you need to feel for that final well, confrontation. It's a, it's succumbing to the same problem. Like I mentioned game of Thrones, but I think they have the same problem where it's like, they're, they're telling stories in this episodic way. And sometimes they want to like introduce, uh, you know, a conflict and then have it resolved by the end of that episode. And mm-hmm. uh, not just the problem with game of Thrones, but other episodic shows too. And uh, mm, sometimes like there's just not enough time to like, to 
pay everything off or to, or to, to build it up before the payoff. Yeah, right, that's a great way right. to put it. To maintain episode length, but also have plots that like start and end within an episode, you right. got to cut corners. I yeah. guess I just like personally am so sick of like the media trope of like, oh, so to do that, like throw a rape at it. Like it's it's almost it's not that like, you know, like sexual assault should never be like, you know, shown in, in literature right or talked about. Yeah, it just feels like, you know, or even that this was like, you know, this was not one of the like worst examples I've ever read in a science fiction novel by far yeah. either. You know, I mean, it's it's no like, you know, what was like Thomas Covenant or whatever. But oh, dear God, it it's still <laughs> like it just it sort of felt like kind of falling into these like easy tropes instead of like doing the kind of harder emotional work of like making that payoff feel. Good yeah, at the I end. mean, basically, we're supposed to believe that that's the only sexual assault that occurred in the entire seven generations of this human society like the, right. the the setup what we're given is is like like this is a society that it has its problems and there is occasional violence and whatever right. but like but like this just come, it literally comes sell. out of nowhere and it's not done for any particular purpose yeah. like even from the what? perspective of the characters there at the time like what's the reason for them to do that they don't really have one I mean, it's it's a power thing. It's because because she is like taking her clothes off and like they're running around naked as a like rebellion against the parents. Like they're showing that like, hey, if you're naked, then we can like take advantage of you. It's very and, much a power thing. Oh no, and that I was get the it, last but... generation from Earth, so it's like that's like one of the probably even what the author sees is one of the most horrible things about Earth and what our culture currently does is you know weaponized Earth. Yeah, and so like it's. That's actually a really interesting point, and that gets to another theme that we haven't mentioned yet, which is the theme of building utopian societies yep. from scratch that are different from that that escape the problems that our current societies have. The sort of classic utopia trope, and you know, obviously, you know, in chapter one, we're introduced to characters who've left Earth behind because explicitly they want to found a utopian society that ex escapes the problem of Earth. And then the rest of the book is a description of what the consequences of their decision to, to colonize the planet. Mm. So it's really interesting to see the ways in which the author's view of what, you know, such a society would be like. And, and I mean, ultimately, I think, you know, this is supposed to be a successful example of this, you know, yeah. several generations in, they basically succeed at the thing that their parents, the, the capital P parents set mm. out for them to do, um, even though the capital P parents sort of would never have been able to do it by right. generation six. You know, they've managed with through fits and starts to achieve this, you know, successful mutualistic relationship with their environment that is a lot more conscious and and a lot more consciously directed than any such relationship could possibly have been on earth. Mm -hmm. So it's this kind of amazing thing where the, the, the new sci-fi environment makes possible something that would literally be impossible on earth. You know, there are no plants on earth that you can have written conversations with. <laughs> they just don't exist. Right. So this other world means that utopia is literally possible in a way that it isn't on earth. Right. And I think that, you know, to that being one of the major themes of the novel is like, you know, there's this sense of like, okay, even if like you go to a new world and set this intention of, you know, we're going to build a better society, you still bring your shit with you. Mm. And I think that's part of why I liked 
chapter two so much is that like it was explicitly about that idea of like even if you go and try to do better you still bring your shit with you and like it's up to your kids and to letting your kids take over and do better right. than you instead of That's like hamstringing them, them. Yeah. um and i think that you know actually we talked a little bit about this in the brown girl in the ring post read of like you know what did like tijan have that her mother and grandmother didn't have well her mother and grandmother and like that was an exactly. example of like you know parents helping their children like hey like we've had our own traumas and shit and we're not going to win because of them but we can like help you so you don't have to have those traumas mm -hmm. whereas like the you know the first generation here we're like we have our traumas and we want to make sure you have them too <laughs> you know yeah. which is like I two different ways of parenting another 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 example of i wish she had more time because uh, I, I think that it would have been really cool to get into you know the psychology of like ha have pov of those characters after that much time had passed after the first generation characters because i yeah i think there must be some serious uh you know issues that would come up from from having having these ambitions and then seeing them seeing that you're not going to yeah right it's, that, it's really rare that i'm like oh i could have had like a longer science fiction book like i could have read more <laughs> of this but this is actually one book where like i could have actually taken like 20 percent more in a lot of chapters or like maybe an extra chapter or two or something like that yeah to me I, there were a lot of things i liked about the first half of the book but i didn't love it until we got to tatiana and i think there were a number of reasons for that one reason for that is that oh actually not not tatiana the the, the one right before her that's about the guy who's the first uncle what's his name uncle yeah, the, the farmer uh the first i can't remember his name but isn't the, he the the, the cat guy farmer. yeah the, 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 the sort of yeah. cat drinker guy who becomes you know bacchus or whatever um <laughs> He that was the first chapter that I loved. That was the first chapter when I loved the book and couldn't wait for more because that was the first chapter where I felt like, oh, I'm not going to. This isn't going to be unremitting tragedy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, yeah, there are, is the possibility of nice things happening in this book. So there might be some nice things that happen in the future of this book, <laughs> because in the first two chapters, you know, she's so good at, at, at like developing a plot that you really don't know where it's going that I, yeah. I really was wondering if this was going to be a horror story because yeah. it could have been, man. I mean, mm -hmm. It yeah. was not looking good for you yeah. know our heroes. Like, the we humans. brought all this shit. Most of it doesn't work anymore. We can't build more like, yeah, it's not looking good. <laughs> right. Right. Half of you died in the landing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It turns out that our, the delicate position that we occupied in the ecology of earth does not translate instantly to a completely different <laughs> fucking planet. Uh-oh, we're all going to die right. slowly. Right. <laughs> Actually, I really did appreciate that at the beginning, that yeah. the fact oh, that like they so got good. to a planet and like, okay, even though there's DNA and edible food, you still don't fit. There's still not mm -hmm. like a niche for you. Yeah. And like that still really did like, again, this is where like she did the ecology stuff really well. Like that was it, something that just like, you know, we haven't so talked well. as much about partially because like the book did it for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it reminded me of that uh, River of Darkness book you had me read, Adrian, where they had all the Spaniards eating, yep. trying to try and survive uh, in the jungle. Yep. And, yeah, uh, that's just, a great. Yeah. Um, so that's that's River of Darkness by I think Buddy Levy. Right. Yeah, it's it's over there. I can see it on my shelf, uh, which is a 
um, nonfiction novel. Uh, this is just for our listeners' sake. A nonfiction novel about the um, first Europeans to navigate the Amazonian River, which they do from the like headwaters they like start in the andes and like accidentally like float down (laughs) the whole amazon and it's you know terrifying for them um and also like not great for the native groups they meet along the way either um but it's also it's like it's a story that like reads like a fantasy because it's like it's it's nuts and it's like the the, there's you know essentially all these like civilizations living along the amazon that they're like coming into contact with and they have like no real context of like how to even like talk about what they're seeing they don't know how to prepare yucca right yeah they also do not know how to prepare yucca and throw up a lot because of it (laughs) yeah i mean it reminds me of the story of english settlers trying to settle new england and the atlantic seaboard as well right. because like they are idiots like they don't know what they're doing and they make so many mistakes that right. you know like obviously from our perspective seem like terribly stupid but from their perspective like no one there was no record of anyone else doing mm-hmm. something like that and just because from our perspective it's so obviously flawed not just you know logistically but morally you know from their perspective uh, there was just no precedent i mean like they they as far as i know they were not aware of any other similar thing of somebody going to a new world and like at all, like there was nothing like the closest thing was Orlando Furioso, you know, a total fantasy or like Mm. story of Odysseus or something like that. (laughs) So it's, it's really, it's really interesting to, to think about the, how easy it would be to make mistakes like that. Um, and, and maybe, you know, get a little humility from that. And, and I, I, you know, I say this, but I, I don't want to diminish the fact that, you know, morally, it was a completely bankrupt enterprise from way before it even started. The idea that you're going to go to this new world and just like take it, you know, without sparing one iota of mental capacity on the idea that like maybe it's not yours to take is, mm-hmm. is terrible, you know, from the start. And of course, that same thing happens in this book. The colonists, right. at no point does it ever occur to them. Is it ever mentioned in the book? The idea that, oh, like, maybe it's not moral to go to this random planet. Like, they didn't even know where they were when they woke up, right? Like, the computer had made an automatic yep. course correction. <laughs> to a, so, to a right, they're on the wrong planet. planet. I forgot about that. Right. Yeah. 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 They, so, so the computer took them to like a better one, which yeah. is like funny, you know, and it does speak to that idea of like, you know, we talked about this a lot in our Sparrow episode of like, they never asked permission to land. Yeah, they it's never crazy. even like it never even considered like, oh, maybe like the people and even maybe even just like the ecology of this planet has like a right to right. decide whether or not we like parasites yeah. show up. Yeah. Right. And it's too it's super funny that when they get there, they eventually realize they're not the first. And the other like party essentially suffered the an identical fate. <laughs> 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 that is actually very funny. Um, yeah, I like uh, it. I like that what that does in a, with a, um, a lot of economy uh, in terms of um, like saying having that line about oh the computer made this selection for us and they're like okay with it. Um, basically, it 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 allows you to think of the people on this planet as not too dissimilar from us. You know, they're just mm. regular people that ended up mm-hmm. going on this crazy mission, and then they're you know, dependence on technology. And it, t- it tells them a lot about, it tells you a lot about the world that they came from uh, without really getting into it in a, mm. a heavy way. Uh, kind of cool. Yeah. It's, no, that's a good point. Yeah. I like that. 
So another thing that that I was thinking about is, you know, this book wants to make, I think, a lot of statements about ecology. Um, It doesn't just portray it in a really interesting way. It also is, to some degree, uh, didactic about what the proper way to interact with an ecosystem is. What are you thinking? I'm curious, like, specifically how you mean. So in the beginning of the book, we're given a vision of Earth that is, you know, climate change you know, slow, slow climate change apocalypse earth. Sure. Um, And, you know, it's a specific vision of, of a slow climate change apocalypse earth that, um, where like all other problems, I mean, this is like a very, so this is like a very reasonable view, but I I still think it's worth calling it out. It's basically it's a view where like climate change is the central fact about Earth um, that, you know, there, there isn't some it's not like one of a basket of things that's wrong with Earth. It is the big thing. And it is caused by humans being dumb and immoral. Mm-hmm. I think that's the sort of basic view of the book in the beginning when it spends a little bit of time explaining well, it's definitely why the, the basic left. view of like the characters who are telling yes. us this too. But also remember, and like this actually, this worked well for me of like, that's the view of the characters, but also it's really clear that the characters are coming with a real strong ideology to like oh, get yeah, on the yeah, ship yeah. in the first place. Totally, totally, totally. But um, I mean, I, you know, I think, I think what we're meant to think is that these characters are flawed, but that they weren't totally wrong. Basically, we're meant to take some version of that. Maybe it's a softer version of it. Maybe it's a, a more subtle oh, version of it. But I think I think we're meant to be like, yes, like, you know, the relationship of humans on Earth, they, they, you know, f- is failing. Their relationship with their ecosystem is a disaster. And... You know, maybe there would be a way to repair it or fix it or whatever. But like, put that aside for a second. Let's talk about how we could have a different one with well, a different ecosystem. It, it's worth. I mean, I, I think I think the the issue of like why why Earth went to hell or, or may, may may or may not be going to hell as a result of uh, climate change mm-hmm. is human myopia, and that myopia is built into the nature of our like short, you know mortal lives and not having this continuous vision and that's what the whole thing is about you know what's really interesting to me is that they never change their constitution they never amend it at least in the text you know like they they, i mean maybe worse maybe they might have i guess but it's never mentioned you know so the constitution so i think what we're meant to think basically like the the you know one way to describe the the plot of this book is that Humans leave Earth because Earth got fucked because people had a terrible relationship with the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. They develop a constitution for a new society. They don't at first live up to that constitution, but eventually they find a way to live up to it in concert with native inhabitants of the new planet they they've they've just they've colonized oh i totally disagree with that reading of this book like 100 (laughs) percent. how would you describe it so i would describe it as humans leave earth that they have like myopically to to nate's point i think it's really good like they have myopically like fucked earth and so they myopically decide to put all of their best humans into leaving Earth instead of fixing it. 
Well, no, it's <laughs> With like the a hubris of believing well, they can no, no, like no, make no, a no, better no. planet like, elsewhere. It's not like the world government sent its best people. No, they were like a random small. No, but this is what I'm saying that like these humans had like who are like talking up about how they're the best humans and they really sincerely believe they're the best humans choose run to away. use their best humanness to run away exactly i actually thought that the like book was somewhat judgmental of them for that and like <laughs> like like there's a there's a real irony there a real dramatic irony that i felt was actually like present in the text even if it wasn't present in the like you know the character is not pointing out that irony but it seemed such an obvious irony to me that it felt like a textual one um and then the other piece is like they write this constitution and they never change it and they actually stop reading it right like they re- they mention <laughs> in the about? final they mention in the final um maybe i'm getting this wrong but i thought in the final chapters they talk about like going back through the histories and going back and actually reading the constitution and realizing like oh like we wrote this thing like we all have some ideas about like what like specific like quotes that we pull out that are important to us mean but like we also kind of like largely ignored it like maybe we got like the 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 points right from it but it's not like an actual like document that we're living our lives from just like the american constitution like nothing has changed in the last hundred years but society is wildly different and like you know the way we interpret the constitution is entirely different (laughs) yeah that was the other one that i was going to bring up right Oh, I don't disagree with that, but I don't think that really, like, I don't think anything you've said really disagrees with anything that I said. I mean, I basically like, you know, the, to me, it's like the, the, so that, you know how the constitution is used as a, as a, as a quote, a quote from the constitution features at the beginning of every chapter. Yes, totally. Yeah. To me, that was one of the ways that, you know, regardless of the, the way that the citizens like on a day to day basis, like interact or rather don't interact with their constitution the constitution is still a fact they still know about it they read it to Stefan. they make sure he knows about it he in some sense becomes a great believer in it because i think like what we get by the end of the book is that nobody has ever badmouthed the constitution they don't not believe in it it's just that like the relationship that they have with their like highest ideals is not one of you know overly pedantic you know textual literalism rather they like sincerely believe in those ideals and they just like you know do their best they they ha- they they try to preserve their society which has been founded on those ideals as best they can and like their efforts to preserve it are not you know devoted to like every comma in it they don't even really remember like a lot of the details but they they get the gist and the gist is what's important the gist is right, based but the on the idea that they like don't change the constitution implies that like killing a moderator and then having a sham vote for a new moderator is not changing the constitution or like deciding that you know what we can have a co-moderator and one is going to be a plant in for life like it's not changing the constitution <laughs> those are well, changing the constitution though. they literally don't though they 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 decide to do that in part because it like adheres to the letter of the constitution it's like not specified right no but anyway the the broader point is i'm serious like and the reason i'm serious is because like to me the broader point has nothing to do with like the the detailed letter of the constitution the point is that like the the society they build is based on the principles of the constitution as we are given to understand them through the various quotes that we're given from it like the society they end up with is the society the constitution purports to describe whether or not the citizens are aware of that or whatever. But like the the arc of the book is the arc of starting with like not that society and ending up with 
that society. And like they have fits and starts and they do some dumb shit and like some bad things happen and whatever. But like by the end of the book, they end up with like the certainly the closest thing that that uh, that you could really plausibly imagine to that. I mean, like they they live in harmony with their environment. They have like multiple (laughs) sentient races forming this like union of this this, you know, sort of democratic republic of ideas that you know does not function on the that functions as a literal commune mm-hmm. you know they have this totally symbiotic relationship with their local environment based on respect and love and mutual admiration i mean it's like i mean it, it's it's almost silly the extent to which it upholds these like lofty ideals now at the same time you know like i don't think i don't think we're meant to think that I, I agree with you about like this stuff about the irony of the, the original colonists are not like blameless heroes. I don't I don't think that they are. I, I think that they that a lot of that that dramatic irony you mentioned is totally there. Like, but I, I don't see that as detracting from this overall arc of moving to the towards the society that the original people envisioned, even though they were wrong in a lot of ironic ways. The big thing that they wanted was right, you know. Hmm. I guess this is maybe like some of just my own thing is like, I don't know if the big thing that they wanted was actually right. I think, yeah, I shouldn't. That's not my opinion. That's why I feel the book's opinion is I'm a little skeptical, like I was saying in the beginning. Right. Right. Um, Yeah, I don't. Well, I also I don't. I, I, I would not go so far as to say that like the book says they were right so much as the book says that like, you know, right or wrong, they figured it out. And like that, that's maybe a slightly different and more interesting and yeah. nuanced read. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe. yeah, it looks like I, you're jumping in here. Oh, yeah, well, do I, it. I was also going to point out that uh, it is very episodic and who knows, like it chose they chose to end it when they did or when she did. But yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, I imagine time will continue to progress. And who knows where it's going from here? Like, <laughs> right. true, true, and, true. and Steplund was starting to like, you know, lust after the stars, and there, there, there are like <laughs> lots of little instabilities kind of built into the current situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, totally. And so, who, who knows? Right. Also, the place where they end it is after like a slaughter caused (laughs) by like, you know, like a slaughter partially caused by over adherence to their ideals and like an inability to distrust, like an over reliance on mutualism and like the inability to be like, Oh, maybe these people who have been like, you know, mean to us this whole time are like lying to us about their, you know, like maybe and the people plants, you know, glass makers, actual humans, etc. I want to like, graph out the uh uh you know level of cynicism of the characters and see if it's like you know oscillating towards uh some sort of ideal like over over the chapters like see right see whether it's it's so funny that you guys like i to me it was like a fundamentally utopian optimistic book and like Hmm. it was a book that sort of it, it it was a book that tried to feel that they tried to like inject a certain amount of quote realism and quote into that Mm -hmm. and so like you know the characters end up having to do things they don't want to do that they hate that they hate that they have to do or that they hate that they're forced into doing um but you know the the thing that's utopian about it and the thing that makes me feel like it's it's sort of this arc of it's like a it's a it's a narrative arc that 
portrays a, a, a society that that we're meant to think, I think, that is is good and that we're meant to sort of try to take away is like, we should be more like that. We should learn something from this. Um, mm. That's why I use the word didactic. Like the, 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 you know, I think it, 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 it portrays like it, it, it portrays things as being, you know, more moral than real, than like real people usually are, even though right. they're not perfect. Like, so in other words, like, okay, yeah, they make a lot of mistakes, but like where they end up is I think we are meant to think, just better than like mm-hmm. actual real human society here, even though it's flawed, even though it could fall apart, so, even though, you know, a lot of bad things could still happen. Where did it end up in terms of, I, I, I honestly can't remember this, but like in terms of the, uh, the knifing of the original parent, mm. um, and then right. did they like enshrine that in the museum they or something? Did. At the that end? Did. comes okay, to okay. light and they, yeah, yeah. it comes to light. The they, the they write it back into the history books. They take the knife and they put it in the museum. It, it all becomes aired. Right. right. See, this is where, you know, like to offer an alternative interpretation and to, I also like, just to be clear, like at this point, I'm kind of less interested in this interpretation with what like, you know, Sue Burke thought or didn't think. And this is sort of like what I enjoyed about the book and how I kind of interpreted and like my kind of like moral reading of it was that this is a book that is very much about each generation dealing with the sins of the previous generation. Totally. There's sort of this original sin, which is like climate change on earth. And then the like, you know, added sin on that of like, instead of dealing with it, coming to this other planet and just thinking you can take over. And then like there's mm-hmm. sin upon sin of like, you know, you know, killing the lead moderator undemocratically like you know installing yourself as like benevolent dictator and like moving only the able-bodied people who are able to move themselves like to you know this better camp and letting the you know weak die you know the old and weak die. Uh, i don't i didn't i is that really what how they did i thought it was more like they couldn't take them like they, there they were, there were like a large chunk of uh, the way I read it was uh, again, I'm, I'm being somewhat dramatic here, but like there were like people who they couldn't take. And so they like, yeah. and didn't want to yeah. go. And so they left them behind. Right? right. Like, and you know, it's like, okay, hard survival decisions have to be made. Also like whether or not they're like decision, like they're hard because they're not perfectly moral and in line with the way that we want to live in society. Right. Like that's what makes them hard is they're also like not great. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, and so, and you know, to, to continue then like, you know, I don't want to go through every single chapter, but like, you know, Tatiana's chapter is like, you know, this, this like sin of like having like a secret investigator who like watches over everyone's like moves, doesn't let them know that they're being surveilled, uses the like plant surveillance to like surveil them even more. And also like breaks the rules herself, like has sex with people from other generations, like does the rule breaking because she is like has impunity. Right. And like, that's not how she thinks about it herself, but like that is her sin there. And so, you know, and I'm using like this word sin very purposefully, not because I think like, Oh, you know, Christian morality is correct or whatever, but because like, it seems really clear to me that like over and over and over again, there are these like things that previous generations do wrong and new generations are like brought up 
and that's their situation and they don't have a choice about the world that they're brought into and so they're making the best of it and i think that's interesting i think that's an interesting like arc towards trying to do better and like it's utopian maybe in the sense of like yeah each group is like doing their best to do better but i wouldn't interpret that as yeah you know like these people like had it figured out early on and then they just got better and better at figuring it out practically oh that's not what i mean like and nor, I, I didn't nor would mean- i I didn't mean it like that. Like the first generation, like are obviously insanely flawed and they don't even realize the extent to which that they have. Exactly. Like, yeah, of course not. I I just mean like, I think we're meant to think like one of the dramatic ironies of the first generation is that unbeknownst to them, they really were onto something like they, 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 they were kind of like, Oh, like the society that results from all of this is good. I, think I don't even know if it's like, like ultimately, like a lot of the, you know, a lot of what's in the constitution and a lot of, you know, what, like, you know, th- this core that ends up like working, it's like, it's a lot of bullshit platitudes too, though. It's like, you know, I mean, it's like, there's not anything in the constitution about specifically how to like be good at enacting those platitudes. Like that's the shit that every like generation tries to figure out better for themselves. You don't think that there's something utopian about the, the, the final version of their city that we see at the end. You don't think, no, that I think, I think, I think there's something hopeful and like, nice and good about it but i think again too it's like hopeful nice and good in the context of like you know they've had to make a lot of bad decisions also like again like half the people died like it's it's a hugely tragic ending as much as it's a happy one and like i i i don't think you can ignore that the most idealistic ones died too right? right exactly so so i don't know i i i this isn't totally to disagree with you i think this is more to come at it at it like my angle is less of one of like yeah. what does like sue burke want me to think about this stuff and more like what do i think of like how what was my reading of this book and my yeah. reading was a one of like deep deep ironies and like what i liked about it was this vision of like you know generations changing over time and dealing yeah. with the shitty hand that they're dealt and trying to make it a little bit better for themselves I, and their kids I, I do hear what you're saying in terms of the utopian stuff that matt i think i think there's there's an element of like like fail forward uh and and like even though even though it's yeah. severely compromise it's like they, they've made compromises right like a lot right way, well so so that right. to me it's 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 really not that i don't i don't view it and this to me is not it's 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 certainly part of partly how i think the book is meant to be read but it's also how obviously how i did read the book um, right so i think you know i i don't think it, it the book is um describing generational change and the gradual construction of a society as this teleological process. I don't think that's how it works. I think that this arc is not, is is a is a realistic kind of evolutionary arc. It's not headed in a particular that's why I like the word arc. It's not headed in a particular direction like a line. It's just sort mm. of moving. It's 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 wiggling its way across the page in whatever direction. But it just so happens that the direction it's going is better than the direction of human society on earth. This is a better way, it seems like. Like, especially Stevlin, everything to do with Stevlin. Like, to me, Stevlin is a sort of superhero. Like, the, the actually, I realize now that the way that I thought of him, I was saying earlier, I used the, the, the metaphor, he's like an X-Man or something. 
with the power to transmute chemicals and right. be in lots of places at once. But that is sort of how I saw him throughout the book. Like he he wasn't just a superhero in terms of his physical abilities. You know, he was a superhero in, a, in some moral sense. He was like at, at one point he mentions this and he's clearly supposed to be read as being arrogant, I think, when he says it this way. But it's also sort of true. Like he is older than any person, smarter than any one person you know, has more yeah. capabilities than any one person. And I think, you know, by the end, I think we're also meant to think, or at least that I did feel that this was communicated, that his ability to be moral is at least as powerful as any person, but possibly more powerful. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not that he is always perfect, but you know what I mean? He he has he has a perspective that allows him to make decisions in accordance with whatever the Constitution said yeah. uh, in a way that individuals can't because he, he can see the like, you know, the long term consequences. And, and uh, you know, he has all the wisdom of, yeah. of the past generation. And honestly, I felt a little uncomfortable with this, but I think like the way the book ends, it's almost like everybody in the book by the end of the book agrees it's that Stevland wasn't right in like chapter five or six or whatever when he originally wanted to become moderator. But by the mm. end, when he's like wants to resign his moderatorship, you know, by that point, it's like, oh, he's like learned enough that he actually, you know, he deserves <laughs> to rule. He's like, clearly right. it's it's all him now. And it's like it's not I, even I didn't rulership. love that myself. I know. Right. It's not yeah. even rulership. Like he's not becoming the ruler. It's just that he's he's advanced to the point where he like he feels all the right kinds of regret for all the right reasons, <laughs> you know. Mm. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, we're no longer afraid of him. Now we can just live in harmony and like it'll be hard. You know, we lost a lot of people. But like, you know, this is going to be better now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, that's that's where, you know. I don't know. Again, maybe like I almost like I think that actually the like if you asked me what chapter would I most want to live in, it's whatever the chapter before they meet the glassmakers is like that's the human society that actually seems like the most livable and like best in a lot of ways. Right. We're like, OK, that's Tatiana's chapter, dude. I think I think so. I think so. Um, I, I was trying to remember if there was that's, one between. That's the dystopia chapter. <laughs> I mean, it, I do. I do. But I but also like it's also the chapter where like, you know, the fewest people die. Like even there's though there's a like a serial, like, serial killer. Yeah, but there's still the fewest people die. Right. <laughs> like even with that. So you're doing the veil of ignorance thing. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. It's less the veil of ignorance and more that like that's a society in which there are like tensions and like those tensions are maybe like, you know, not the most moral like there's the tensions of like Tatiana being secret police. There's the tension of like, you know, uh, uh, Stevland like being moderator, co-moderator, even though maybe that's not like he doesn't necessarily have the best intentions and it's kind of scary. Like there's these tensions, but also that is like clearly when life for individuals is best. The way that I think about it, the time I would most want to live is after the last chapter. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, like to me, it's like, okay. It, first of all, if you're alive in Tatiana's chapter, you're probably going to also be alive in the next one. Whatever. Like, I know what you're right, saying. Right, right, right. Yeah, I know yeah, what you're yeah. saying, though. Yeah. Like, sure. But like, but like, actually, to me, like, that chapter has tensions, like you were saying. And certainly, you, uh, you're totally right. Like, in, half the people die in the next chapter. So that sucks. But like, <laughs> after that, after that, it really feels like the big, the big existential threats have been dealt with. 
all of them. And so certainly there could be a new one, but like interesting, there could be a new big existential threat, but there isn't currently one on the horizon. They're going to have a baby boom first. Yeah. You know, <laughs> is that, do you guys both agree that, that all the big existential threats have been taken care of for the moment, at least. I, I, I think, I think that it, my, my original statement of, this is just it's just where they chose to end the story. And I, I think that I think that the long term trajectory, even if it's even if it's they're moving up in terms of, you know, approaching whatever their societal goal is, I think it's going to be a jagged line for yeah. the foreseeable future. So I don't, I don't know what the problem will be, but I imagine there's going to be problems. The, right. the pattern so far has been like, well, that, there's a problem. There's a problem. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, kind of my take on it, too, is that like they don't have a perfect society. Of they course don't, not. Like they, they have a like barely functional society. They no longer have enough people to like live the lives that they were leading. Right. Like this is one of the things that happen when like a significant chunk of like members of a society die, which is that like you no longer have the resources you need to like live in the way that you were doing. Um, and in addition, they are like, you know, they have like a third intelligence, which is an animal intelligence that they are trying to like integrate with its own social hierarchies, with its own social needs. Like it actually seems like a, in a lot of ways, like, a again, it, it, to me, it ended in a hopeful, but scary place, not a utopian place. That was my read on it. Well, I guess, I mean, maybe this is a difference of how, what I think a utopia is, but to me, a utopia, like a real utopia, like not like, like many utopias probably don't mean this definition, but like my real Scotsman of a utopia is, um, a society that like is built on strong moral foundations and whether it survives or not, and whether it like has other, has like some problems or like doesn't fully live up to those strong foundations or not, like it still was built on them. And that's what this is. That's and that's what this the, is. The, the, like, I mean, I would just like call that a society with strong moral foundations, not well, a but, utopia, I guess. But like, that's what seem, I mean. Real. Like, I mean, like the idea, I think the idea that we're meant to take away. To a yeah. Like the idea that we're meant to take away to me is that like, this is better than what we have. Like, sure. It might, there, there are, could be all kinds of new problems, you know, but like, is it better than what we have? Or is it like, there are things from it that are worth considering in what we have? I would say better. I mean, that's okay. my that's my impression of this. And the reason why it's better is because they are more closely in tune with their ecology. They have a better relationship with their ec ecological system that they inhabit. All the aspects of it have a better relationship. That is to say, they have a better relationship with the natural world around them, through the plants, through the mechanism of Stevland. They also have a better relationship with other animals. The FIP, the FIP cats, the the glass makers, their relationship with sentient things and non-sentient things, the line between those two things, like all of their relationships are better, even if they're not perfect. Yeah, but there's also only like a hundred sentient beings. I mean, like how <laughs> like it seems weird to call that society better as opposed to like inconsumeasurable, but like potentially like there are things we can learn from it. Right. Like it, it seems odd to me to be like, oh, yeah, their society is clearly better than ours when like our society like ranges across like seven billion people on an entire planet. Yeah. So my my read of this book is the society on Earth was fundamentally broken because it had a fundamentally fucked up relationship with its ecology. This society doesn't. At the end of the book, they've succeeded in like the main arc of the book, in some sense, to me, is their relationship with Stevland and their relationship with the glassmakers. Those mm -hmm. two relationships 
You know, I actually saw that as being more of the core of the book than the relationship from generation to generation, although that's obviously a big thing. Um, Like what I sort of was thinking about more was those two, the Glassmakers and Stevland. And what what the arc of the book is like at the beginning, they don't even know either of them. They're just strangers. They're they're unknown. Mm-hmm. By the mm-hmm. end, they have the beginnings or the foundations of good relationships with both of those things. The exact right. thing that they didn't have on Earth, the thing that they never had on Earth, and that and that like maybe we can, maybe we can't have, but we certainly don't have in mm. real life. So that to okay. me is why it's like a fundamentally better. It's sort of a fundamentally better society because it's built on this foundation that we just don't have at all. Like we don't have that kind of relationship with the natural world around us. Not even close. I guess, you know, I would, I would like maybe be willing to say that if like, you know, in the version of this book that ends with like a functioning, I, you know, maybe this is too, this maybe comes down to a little bit of like, you know, like I said, like next month we're going to be talking about Chris Beckett's Dark Eden and that book, and in particularly the trilogy of those three books, like it's kind of a standalone novel, and then there are two kind of like sequels that work really tightly with each other. Um, that like really follows the development of like not just like you know kind of like small family tribe oriented society, but into a much larger society. And like I guess I would be really curious to like like to me in some ways calling this even utopian. Like it's not enough to be a utopia. Like it's not enough people or enough like things. It's not enough of a society to be a utopia. It's like the seed. But it is not yet the Stevland, <laughs> you know. <Wow>. It's not yet. <laughs> wow. So, but then, so there is—is is there some like threshold at which something becomes like a measurable? Like, does it w- when something starts counting as a society? That's like a really tricky thing. Like, yeah, I mean, super a, animal opinion places, of your but... of the, of right, right there. You know, super <laughs> animal animal centric. All right. Yeah, I'm probably not going to be able to like fully back this up rationally. <laughs> just to be clear here, but the, there is there is the feeling of like, I mean, they clearly have a society. Whether it's even like possible to call that society like better or worse than our like, I'm not right. sure if those comparisons make yeah, sense. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's why I say in constant measurable. It just feels like almost like you know like well it's like, like if we if we looked at uh, uh a isolated village in the amazon jungle where they lived in in harmony with nature right these places do exist and have existed and you know har- harmony to a certain extent harmony from our like outsider perspective at least and 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 uh um but then the like end res- but maybe they still die at 40 on average you know or or th- we, we don't know what their uh Right. Or or even even like, you know, it's it's one thing to say that like, oh, like this one small group of people like works, but like, okay, they work partially like maybe it works because it's small. Like, does this like vision of society work at like larger scales? Uh, Is it able to import it to Earth? Oh, yeah. Is there anything we can actually do with this information? And that's why, like, for me, what I'm really interested in is like, well, what can we learn from this and apply to us as humans now here as opposed to like their society is better? I have well, all I, the I think same what questions. We can all, uh, yeah. Well, 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 the takeaway for me is that we just need to engineer <laughs> giant sentient monstrous plants. sentient yeah, plants totally. and <laughs> unleash them uh, on, on our society. I have the same <laughs> takeaway from Children of Time, too. I mean, yeah, we I was just about to say, like, those, we need to build ge- uplifted spiders. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Nate's going to make his, Nate's going to find the plants, going to bring them here. <laughs> Matt's going to genetically engineer the spiders. Yeah. Then we all are going to live on this plant spider hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uplift that shit. The plant spider hybrid is definitely the future liberals want and it's the future yeah. I want. But the, but I, so like I have, I have all the same questions about the, uh, usefulness slash realisticness slash like, you know, robustness of this, you know, society that's that's the utopian society portrayed at the end. Okay, of the okay, cool. I have all the same questions about it. I just think that the the arc of the book makes clear that this is a good thing that they have built at the end, and that it is a good thing in part because it avoids this bad thing that we have on earth in real life sure um, sure and and yeah, like I, I will agree with that and like my skepticism my part of my skepticism of the book is that like like i don't know like so much of the good utopia portrayed in this book is a function of stevland and his unique abilities yeah. and stevland mm-hmm. is this like mythical superhero and so right. i don't really know what to take from this except a, a set of ideas about ecologies and what matter to them and those that set of ideas about ecologies and what matter to them may also not be completely right like there's one thing in particular that i think there's just hints of it here and there in the book but it's the idea that a that there exists a kind of that there exists an equilibrium in nature and that that equilibrium is good this is a classic idea in american environmentalism it's also not true like Equilibrium. It's also very deeply wrong. Yeah, <laughs> equilibrium is not a real th- like. <laughs> I mean, there, there 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 may be such things as you know, temporary like term and there, yeah, there's, temporary. there's temporary stable relationships right. in the sea of chaos. <laughs> right, right, and right. they're also maybe, well. And this is probably something Nate you can actually like speak yeah, totally. to a bit with the like environmental studies stuff, and you know. Like watching bears Maybe. and everything, oh, <laughs> but just oh. like you know, like the, this idea that you know, I, I I'm just thinking like going back to like all the Alaska talk in last episode and like thinking about the ways in which like, you know, you think like oh right, like Homer is this certain way, like you know, we grew up in Homer and it's you know, it's like it's cold these times of the years, it's warm these times of the years, like you know, these it's all are because the, like, of our limited around. human perspective. Right. All because of our limited human perspective and yeah. also stuff like, you know, I remember last time I went back to Homer, there were fucking rabbits everywhere. I like never oh, yeah, seen a rabbit. Today. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it yeah. was like, you know, why are there rabbits everywhere? Oh, because the eagles left. Why did the eagles leave? Yeah. Because one lady who was feeding them died. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like one lady like kept there from being rabbits in Homer. And now they're like way too many of them, <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. like shit yeah. like that where it's like there, there are, you know, sure. Is that a state? equilibrium as long as that one lady is feeding the <laughs> eagles yeah yeah and the other thing that there definitely does exist are like tr- stable trends and a stable trend is often confused with stable equilibrium i think like if the mm-hmm. if a population is trending up or down you know mm-hmm. for a long time people think oh yeah that's that's the way things are you know, there but even are a that, lot of these... I mean, uh, even that can get really weird because there can be these inflection points yeah. where, like, the population trends down far enough that, like, the you know, again, the rabbits population yeah. trends down far enough, the like predators can no longer survive. They entirely crash, and then the rabbits like come back in a, with a vengeance, mm-hmm. right? Like, 
you, this is the kind of thing that happens over and over again. Yeah, totally. And that's that's the way the, the natural world is fundamentally about punctuated long term trends or mm. I mean, cycles. That cycles is a better word. Because well no maybe it's not a better word but anyway <laughs> right that's chaos. that's the thing it's not it's it's, it's much it's, more chaotic than yeah, all of it's that. pretty chaotic <laughs> it's it's, 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 it's a can... bunch of like ripples in in a single chaotic ocean yeah. yeah the cycle the cycles are just little like spirals in this soup of madness yeah that's, that's, yeah, that's right. that's that's better a soup of madness with cycles <laughs> spiraling in right. it's, it's much better than anything and this is you know this is often the problem with like trying to manage ecologies as you try to like take this one snapshot in time and say like this is the way this ecology should be um but you know there's no should in nature Mm -hmm, (laughs) and oftentimes mm -hmm. like there's actually no way to keep it that way like it must be in flux like -hmm. there's no way for it not to be in flux and anything you do to try to like okay maybe you can get like these three you know like this animal cycle or this animal plant you know like plant herbivore carnivore cycle working out but there's 30 other cycles that touch it in like ways that you don't even understand that you're gonna Mm -hmm. fuck with by trying to make that one stable the most uh, stable state that you could get any given universe into would be absolute heat death right yep (laughs) Yep. exactly so really that's that's the ideal which you're always driving for yeah equilibrium equilibrium is all about harmony and harmony is (laughs) all about Stability and stability <laughs> is all about nothing. Entropy. Nothing. <laughs> it's not. No, it's not nothingness. It's pure entropy. You're not nothingness. <laughs> it's the mostingness. Mostingness. Yeah, I like that. Mostingness. But anyway, so yeah, I I have I have all these same questions, and I don't think the book has answers really. And I think the the answers that it does have or that it does try to have are, are not great, but. The thing that I like so much about it, after all is said and done, is this kind of this kind of conviction that it is possible to have a better relationship with ecology. Because like the way that the relationship described is described in the book is not it, it's only hinted in certain places that, oh, maybe like balance or equilibrium is a thing that we want. In fact, mutualism is what is described a lot more often. This mm-hmm. uh, like a, a relationship that is more um to both sides benefit that would be right. the way i would describe the positive vision of a better relationship a relationship that is more to both sides benefit at the same time right and i think maybe the idea the big because you know you say that and it's like sure of course that sounds good i think one of the big ideas too is that like one of the sides is the natural world mm-hmm. right that like one it like that you know yeah. the natural world has rights as much as a fucking corporation does <laughs> um you know and and so i think that's maybe you know that's maybe where and what's funny is you know like that's actually like that idea of like well the natural world has rights as much as like we humans does is actually not built into the like first generation like that's not necessarily one of their ideas that's actually something that like like the generations have to come up with on their own as they go through with this my sense is that it was the sort of thing that they might have claimed to believe but that they didn't really live by i i would i would i would i but I they were like they were like soi disant environmentalists right like they were you know yeah yeah you know what i mean but like of course they don't actually live that way right so you're right. Like totally, totally. it's not it's a good example of of them kind of not looking that great because they don't really live up to a lot of the ideals that the society seems to portray in its very nature by the end of the book. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I I was gonna track a little bit. We talked about you know like my you know second favorite chapter having like one of the most problematic parts. Um, but our for all of our first favorite chapters also had for me, which was like maybe like the second most problematic part, which was this idea of like, oh yes, like violence is caused by mental health issues, <laughs> <laughs> and like the handling of that. I just like I don't want to like get too deep into it so much as like the handling of like who and why the serial killer was like deeply didn't work for me. It was the one part of that chapter that felt very much like, okay, great. We have a somewhat, you know, yet again, like the serial killer is someone who like got some infection, has some sort of like mental health disease. And like, you know, so it like kills people and it's like, okay. I mean, again, like talking about like, maybe that's not like, bad in and of itself like it's not bad to you know yes people with mental illnesses can hurt other people obviously but also it feels like just this fucking lazy thing that i see over and over and over again and not just in literature but actually like our media tropes more generally um you know any any serial killer is like by definition like mentally ill and it's like i don't know how helpful that is yeah total agree total agree hard hard agree (laughs) Okay, well that that's boring. So moving on. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> really I mean, you know, podcast the, the, content. Yeah, no, but like can even convincingly uh, devil's advocate for this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically what the book says is that the serial killer has this like problem with her brain, and Stevlin can fix it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he doesn't. It, he he euthanizes her. He euthanizes her. Oh, because but she, it's because she's like injured. Right. Or isn't she like, no, so- no, he, he euthanizes her oh, he because that's it? how you okay. fix it. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, she's also it, like, all those things are also true, but like, it's very clear from his little shot at the end that he is like enjoying downloading her brain and euthanizing her because she does not fit within the mutualistic society, which also had its own problems of like, Oh great. So people without mental, with mental health issues should be like euthanized because they do not fit within our mutualistic really society. I mean, it's basically, it's this like version of the, medicalization and like catac and like DGSEization of or what the fuck what the, 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 the what's the acronym I have no idea the manual of psych- oh DSM oh DGSM. DGSM yes, yes. D- just DSM the I DSMization guess. of 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 uh, of psychic of like the human psyche you know I mean mm-hmm. the idea that okay we're gonna take you know we're gonna you know draw an arbitrary line in the sand of what a human being is like and not actually accurately capture what that human being is like but sure we'll just say that we have and call that normal and then call anything that deviates in whatever made up way we think of from that Mm -hmm. too much abnormal and take all the abnormal things and put them into you know these buckets that like and every step of that process is is wrong in one way or another yeah one one thing uh I, I do. I do think that uh, having a serial killer is probably a pretty, you know, it's like an obvious, like ham, ham-handed way of, uh, of addressing that issue. But like, um, it is interesting to look at what that process is uh, of categorizing everyone in terms of their utility to society. Mm-hmm. And that that chapter is all about Steveland as the like over, you know, kind of KGB government yeah. uh, Steveland, right? So, so. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think it really presented any answers there, but it yeah. showed that that's part of the process is like 
culling the things that are not useful to society yeah. and and uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of it's creepy it's like, very creepy i don't i don't know exactly what she was saying about it but uh it's, it's funny it, though it because me, yeah that, that was when i was most paranoid about step oh me too i thought i thought sure. for sure yeah. at that point in the book yeah. okay this guy's gonna go off the rails and it's gonna be he's gonna be you know the dictator step you talked about but yeah, right. especially when he like threatens tatiana with this like gas he can emit it turns out he could just <laughs> right. create any combination of chemicals as a gas and he knows what all of them do <laughs> sort of right that that was one thing that felt a little bit like like in terms of like planting and payoff like they planted this like you know evil stevland thing and then like it didn't it it wasn't that it was it wasn't that it was resolved so much as it just didn't happen. Well, did they, did he get into the idea a little bit that, that mutualism, like, like honest mutualism was a more effective long-term strategy? I can't, I can't really remember, but I feel like they, there, there's they a little it, bit of that. His, his predecessors, his, like his, the ancient plants that he was derived from had like been too iron fisted with their animals and it had, caused backlash i can't remember i might be making that up (laughs) i think i think we are i think like he's portrayed at the end as having grown up and like come to a better understanding of what humans are and what they need and what makes them satisfied and come to a better understanding of you know his responsibility vis-a-vis humans to the point where he's now like much better able to be a good uh paternalistic ruler so it's weird because like by the end not only are we past our the we're like beyond the sort of most acute phase of our fear of Steveland but like we're we're into this new phase of like yeah give us more better drugs you know like give us more better fruit have the other fruit like develop even better more awesome fruit that yeah. we can eat love, you know? we love big brother Steveland yeah like right. Steveland is like going to like it's amazing. Like, okay, first we start out well, with... Well, and I, I would buy that, too. I mean, like, I do buy that, that, like, okay, yeah, like, you know, first generation of, like, you know, drug X, everyone's going to be afraid of it. Second generation, that is normal, and I want more of it, right? Yeah. Like, th- yeah. like I buy that overall as an arc. Generally, mm. I feel more like it wasn't, like, paid off very well. That yeah. it wasn't shown, even though I yeah, didn't, like, I get agree it. with that. I agree. I think one of the issues I have is like, you know, if it's from the, the chapter to chapter transitions are occasionally too jerky in a way that doesn't quite I can't quite buy it. I think mm-hmm. the best ones are the long ones. By the I end of the book, completely. they're sort of too short. They're too and short. Like, and you you we're supposed to believe that more has changed than seems plausible in such a short amount of time. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, I wonder if she was agree. just getting tired of writing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's have you so there's a sequel coming out in like October or something Do like that. Do you know that. what it's called? Uh fuck i don't <laughs> i should i do i did read the synopsis of it which is interesting um i don't i probably I, I i don't know interference if we should, interference is that what it is yeah interesting oh troubles yeah. brewing so i don't know you know <laughs> like how how you know are we, like are we going to talk about the synopsis or not but it's like interesting it sounds like it jumps far in the future again it's not like taking off exactly mm. where this book ends which is nice i like that too i'm into that um 
You know, I think the Children of Time sequel, which is also coming out around the same time. And, you know, like obviously a lot of thematic similarities. And we've read both the books are uh, is also similar where it's going to be like a very different kind of story. Yeah. So I'm curious. I mean, like, you know, for (laughs) I feel like for all that, like we've been like relatively harsh on this book, like harsher on this book than we are in a lot of our books. Like it's still like. I liked it a lot. I would recommend it to a lot of people. I think it was a really fun book and like should be, you know, I should be read what books should be read, but like really fun book (laughs) and like worth reading. Um, And also it, uh, I'm going to read the sequel. Me too. Like I'm curious, like, you know, for, for all the, like the rest of this, I'm still reading the sequel, whenever it comes out, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I might be more interested in reading this sequel than I am in the Children of Time sequel. And some of that just is like Children of Time, like just felt like such a neat bow on it that I don't feel like I need more. Um, It's not just like a quality thing. But I think, you know, like I'm in certain ways like and some of it's probably I just read this book. So it's in my head. (laughs) Arachno Humanoid Society is a society I need to spend more time with. So I'm definitely reading that also. But (laughs) I totally agree. I mean, this book is great. Like I really liked it. I think there's this weird phenomenon that happens where books that are really good, the flaws stand out more, you know, Mm. and that makes it because, you know, in part because like the shape is so clear. That yeah. like if it's chipped here, you're like, well, but what if the, the line it should have gone? You know, it's sort of you feel it more viscerally when there's a, right. a little thing that niggles at you with a book that's otherwise really good. And so maybe that's a little bit why we've mm-hmm. we've been harsh on it. But like ultimately, I totally agree. It's awesome. Right. I also think that it asks hard questions and it's OK to like disagree with the answers the book displays while also like enjoying the book and like engaging with it critically. I mean, like, mm. that's what we try to do here is engage with the shit critically. And like with this book, engaging with it critically means like arguing with it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> what do you think, Nate? I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Hard agree. No, no, I, I really, I really like this book. I think my, you know, my original recommendation stands, but I agree with most of the critiques you guys brought up too. But I, I think that like, to me, this is like, just a really fun world mm-hmm. and uh i, I kind of want this to be the bullet points in uh, a timeline that uh that i get to learn more about and I, I think it'd be cool if she went back and you know fleshed out stuff laterally as well as uh Ooh. Jumping into the future, but, yeah uh, I, I would totally I would totally read like a book that is just like entirely set in like a, one of these eras yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, like we talked about the the noir uh, uh, KGB Stubland uh, chapter could have been yeah uh, its own book. Oh yeah, I would read a entirely its own book that is like you know the like next like four years of Tatiana's reign, and it's just like you know <laughs> that <laughs> absolutely. I, I actually one of the things we didn't talk about that I really loved was the first contact. That was why I mentioned Nye's, Nye's chapter a while back. Right, but mm. like I thought she did a really good job of portraying these two incredibly different societies neither of which wants to hurt the other but both of which are incredibly ignorant of the other that was that was a tragic uh, chapter it was it was but it it worked really well for me i really liked that chapter in isolation i just thought it only had issues when it was sort of set alongside some of the others but in isolation that was a great chapter you know i mean the the nye chapter yeah the one where they 
first encounter the glassmakers and they go on the journey. A, so that reminds me. Oh, no, no, no go for it. Uh, one, one of the other people at the uh, the book club that, uh, that read it up here. Um, point. I think on her website, on Sue Burke's website, there's uh, a supplemental story about the glassmaker's origin and Ooh. i i haven't actually read it uh even though i said i would be stoked to read supplemental material uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but it's there so uh cool awesome i'll yeah. definitely drop that in the show no- I'll, I'll find that and put that in the show notes and and read that after this because that sounds really fascinating sure does. um i was gonna say that that like that was maybe one of my least favorite chapters and like one of the chapters I was least interested in, especially given the like page turningness of some of the, I guess some of it was that like, I didn't love the glass makers and I didn't love the drama they created. Like I actually really just wanted to read more about like these people and this weird plant intelligence thing, trying to like work their shit out together. And as soon as there was kind of like a third party in there it was like like i had wanted to see them work their shit out a little bit more before like entering like you know new difficulties um on top of that so that that chapter like wasn't my favorite and anything with the glass makers just like wasn't really my favorite and but some of bugs, it felt- dude bugs are so cool though <laughs> bugs are cool i i think some of it was just like it was like they were it felt underdeveloped from a lot of the rest of it because you had like the whole book to deal with like human society and like you know over two-thirds of the book to deal with yeah. stevland and then like the last third not even the last quarter to deal with like actually the glass makers as they are that's one of the reasons i'm really <laughs> looking forward to the sequel i'm hoping there'll be more of them that's a that's a theme throughout all this though is that uh, it all could have used more time because yeah because even you know the parts that we really liked it's like they it left us wanting more and then the parts that we didn't like it's well it feels underdeveloped yeah and so it's, I, uh, I think it's interesting because I I would have not wanted more of the first two chapters I, uh, I would have wanted more only from the fitmaster first fitmaster guy on mm-hmm. okay. Because I think I think the first two chapters. Yeah, what is his name? Man, I gotta find that out. I'm so terrible with names. Um, The I could have used more of the second chapter type stuff. I could have used like some development of the characters there. I I would have been like more than happy to like. And this is maybe to the point you made in the pre-read, Nate, of like, you know, don't get too attached to any of the characters because they'll disappear really quickly. And like, like that plus. Like, and that was fine and I didn't, but I also like would have enjoyed more character development generally. I mean, it's like ultimately not a book that's super interested in its characters. Like there, like even with like Tatiana's chapter, we're talking about that. The th- interesting th- thing there is not that like Tatiana is like a, such a great character. Like at no point is there like, oh, there's this character that I really loved. It's interested in characters in that it's like like what a character is, <laughs> but it's right. not interested in that individual character's experience. His name was Higgins. Higgins. Uncle Higgins. Uncle Higgins. Very good. Um, well, it is late <laughs> and a oh, weeknight. <laughs> one more book fact. Sorry, guys. Yeah. This is funny. Uh, from Sue Burke's website, or rather from the Semiosis book website. Um the name Stevland Jamal Bar, shortened to Stevland, which is the name of a human that the plant takes, um, actually was inspired by Stevie Wonder. 
Hey, it is Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now I imagine his voice in my head. Because Stevie Wonder's full name was Stevland Hardaway Morris. Interesting. Yeah. Now Did do. not know that. Yeah. Um, so it is Stevland. Stevland <laughs> slash Steve, Stevie. Um, so, yeah, I was going to say, I think I think it's time to to wrap it up. Um, <laughs> Matt and I are both falling asleep a little bit <laughs> since it's like 11 here. <laughs> not in Alaska. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, out. yeah, fuck. <laughs> I need some shelter and food. Yeah, I need, I need, I need light while. and water. Um, we'll, uh, so yeah, just to, to wrap up things, you know, kind of quickly and maybe abruptly here. Uh, <laughs> this has been really fun. <laughs> I'm like, like, this is, this is maybe like one of our like most like in-depth conversations about a book and like you know i kind of like it when we all like disagree and have different perspectives on the books like it makes for really like rollicking conversation so i feel like even though i was very negative on the book i actually feel like i almost like it more having talked about it (laughs) (laughs) and like i you know there's like it's a meaty book it's almost a surprisingly meeting book there's like a lot in there um yeah and so uh again nate your shits at um i keep i keep wanting oh, to uh, say foothold game, game because, stuff? yeah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Foothold ectolibrium deal. i know i know yeah. <laughs> no, uh, yeah ectolibrium on steam it's the only i think if you type in ecto it's like the only game that comes up so that's something awesome awesome yeah I and we'll it. link to that again and um yeah so i guess like final 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 book thoughts final sentences does anyone have anything I don't know. Okay, never mind. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Yeah, was good. Um, well, Liked we it. will. <laughs> um, we will be back next week, I think, um, if all goes to plan, with um, the pre-read for Dark Eden by Chris Beckett. Uh, we should have a guest on that episode as well. Uh, that's going to be really interesting because this is a book that like Matt and I have like. I forget who recommended it to who, honestly, at this point. Um, but it's like foundational in the way I think about sci-fi in a lot of ways. It's like top five book for me, uh, especially top five sci-fi book. Um, and it's so good. It's so good, and it's one that we talk about constantly on here. Yeah. So we were like, we should just actually read it and actually talk about it. Yeah. I had, I assumed that you guys already had actually uh, during the pre-read. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, unfortunately, we we haven't actually talked about it on here. Um, but that should be a really cool. Uh, couple of episodes like i said we'll have a guest on for that um kevin who's been a guest previously which is going to be really fun and um what else yeah thanks to wj for our music that you're listening to right now you can find him wj on soundcloud noah bradley for our cover art he's at noahbradley.com uh find nate's stuff by searching ecto or ecto librium e-c-t-o uh librium on steam uh we are at spectology pod on twitter if you want to follow us or tweet at us uh we are spectology pod at gmail.com if you want to send us an email say anything to us i 
you know, Matt doesn't do anything, but I will respond. <laughs> Matt doesn't do anything. Matt, Matt wisely stays off the social media and the internet, um, and I am the one addicted to it. So I will, I will get back at you. Take one for the team. Yeah, right, right. I'm no Take, plant, you know. all right. <laughs> right. I'm an animal. You know, we're talking about like Stefflin's, you know, like drugs. I'm like, yes, give me that Twitter. Give it to me. <laughs> brain fruit. Um, you want some brain fruit? Yes. Oh please. no, smart fruit. Smart fruit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, hit hit us up there, um, and we'll 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 get at you all too, dude. That shit's dumb fruit. All right, <laughs> that's how I'm ending. <laughs> all right, bye, all right. bye guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop recording.